a Superman action figure in a toy coffin, a blue shirt and red jacket, a first flight in the sun above the Arctic tundra. These are some of the moments that define my Superman fandom. Together on this podcast, we journey across time and media to examine, discover, and reconsider the creative visions that have shaped the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. This is Crisis Till Death, Part 7. And for this episode, at long last, we are discussing the death of Superman and funeral for a friend. Joining me for this installment is returning guest, Bernie Gerstmeyer. Welcome back. Woo! I cannot believe, like, I'm so happy we got here. <laughs> it's been exciting to listen, and, and I'm, I'm raring to go, baby. Let's do this. <laughs> this has been a long time coming in a lot of ways. This is a big episode, and I'll admit right off the bat, I'm feeling some pressure. It's all self-imposed, but it's one of those things where I said to myself, I mean, how can I fully and adequately articulate and encapsulate everything that the death of Superman has meant to me as a Superman reader and fan. It's how I got my start in comics and with Superman. It set me on this path. There's a straight line from the death of Superman to the comic shop alternate realities where I shopped and worked for many years to the documentaries that I did about alternate realities and the comics retail industry to the podcasts I've done, including this one, including this episode right now so many you know people and places that have become part of my life and it all i can trace it all right back to the death of superman so there's a lot wrapped up in this for me and i'm so glad to have you along for this ride uh, as we unpack it all together and i love that you have your death of superman poster behind you you're wearing your death of superman shirt uh, before we started recording, you held up your doomsday action figure. I know that the death of Superman means something to you as well. I know that it means it a lot to a lot of the other Superman fans out there. And, you know, again, I want to talk a lot about what it what it's meant to me personally, but I also want to talk about, and we of course will, we'll get into this, the story itself, because I think that a lot of times it is undervalued and underappreciated. And reading it this time, and we'll talk about it, but I got so much out of it. And I'm so proud that this was my first Superman story. So, uh, so again, welcome. Thank you for being here. And before I just go on and on, because I certainly can, when we're talking about that, the Superman, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, I wanna kick it over to you. And can can you? And I know we have talked about this before um, when you when you've been on the show previously. But uh, for any new audience members here, and to refresh my memory, um, what what role did Death of Superman play in your fandom? How did you encounter it, and what did it do for you at the time? Yeah, the really cool thing about all of this is, so I think you and I are 10 years apart. I think, when was, when, what age were you when you read Death of Superman in 93? How old were you? So yeah, end of 92, beginning of 93, I was five. Okay. okay, so when did you, when did you read it for the first time? My So my dad read it to me when I was five. As far as when oh. I then actually read it myself, that probably came a, couple, a year or two later. Okay, so... The cool part of my story is I read comics. I was born in 76. I was five, you know, in the early 80s. My dad got me into comics. But then I, about five or so years as a kid, I read books, but then stopped. And then 92, 93 is the end of my high school career. And I remember the store in Closter, New Jersey, 
that I was walking by and I saw this Death of Superman poster. And I was like, what is happening? Superman is awesome. Why would they kill him? And that for me is when I rebooted being a comic book fan. So that brought me into the store. And since then, I left high school right into college, went to IU in Indiana and found any comic book store that could have Superman 50 cent books that I could pick up and add to my collection and just started working backwards, man. And then kept buying forward. So Death of Superman was really important to kick off my fan journey again as a as a new adult. I, I love that. And, you know, I'm sure for anyone listening or watching, you know, they have their, you know, if you're a Superman fan, you have, you likely have some connection to <laughs> the death of Superman. I mean, maybe it's more tangential. Maybe it's more profound like it was for us. Maybe like myself, it got you into Superman. Maybe like Bernie got you back into Superman. Maybe it turned you off Superman. I don't know. I'm sure there, you know, we have, we have fans in, in, in all of those categories, but it was a watershed moment for the character and for comics. I have my own little prop here. Again, if you're if you're listening, and I know that's how the the majority of our audience consumes these, so I know you can't see it. But right now, I am holding up the uh, the Death of Superman trade Ooh. paperback in a mylar. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty beaten up. I mean, the mylar really yeah. isn't doing anything, but uh, so just to protect it from any further damage. Cover price four ninety five. How the times have changed. Curious. That is hilarious. That, that and you, I can still see it in you know used bookstores, and I'm like four ninety five. Like now a trade is nineteen bucks, maybe the cheapest in some cases. Yeah. So I, you know, and I know you followed my stuff for a while, and for any of my, uh, you know, any audience members who have been with me from my other podcast, my comic shop history, and if you've been with digging for kryptonite from the beginning, or honestly, if you've listened to any episode, because they all <laughs> they all begin with that little preamble about the the, the <laughs> Superman. Uh, action figure in a, in a coffin. In a coffin. <laughs> I've told this story, my, my comic book slash Superman origin story so many times that I think I'm going to retire it. I think I'm going to tell it one more time in this episode. And then I think that'll do it. But I love telling it because it was just, you know, talk about a watershed moment for Superman. It, it's, this is what it was for me. I mean, you know, all of us, as we go through our, our life's journey, it's, it, you don't always have those, those signposts that are just like st- staring right at you and pointing you in a direction. And I had that in that moment. So, and again, for, for anyone who's been with me, I know you've heard this, bear with me one more time. It was again, the winter of 92. And I was with my, both of my parents. We were at the Galleria Mall in White Plains, New York, in lower Westchester. And, uh, you know, it was around holiday time and we happened upon Heroes World, a comic book shop that's, that's part of the now defunct chain. And in their window display was, as I mentioned at the beginning of all of these episodes, a Superman action figure in a quote-unquote coffin. Now, someone actually asked me about this on, on Twitter. You know, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a Death of Superman playset. It was an action figure that was placed in a box. Now, again, this was decades ago. I can't remember if it was just a box that was, you know, we pretended was a coffin or if it was an actual coffin, like maybe there was some horror action figure that came with a coffin or something like that. I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, the, the intended effect was Superman action figure in a coffin. And as far as which Superman action figure it was, it's possible that it was the Kenner superpowers figure, but given the time period we're talking about, more likely it was 
the Superman figure from the late 80s um, Toy Biz superheroes line. Most likely that's the Superman figure that it was. And so they had that, that you know, that setup in the window display with the, the Death of Superman trade paperback behind it. And it just caught my attention. It grabbed me. And, you know, to this day, I'm grateful that my parents stopped and that they took me into the store and that they bought me the Death of Superman trade paperback and that we went home and my dad read it to me. I was five. I was not reading yet. And he read it to me. And again, it just, you know, <laughs> it just set me on this, this path. Um, so that's, again, that's my, uh, my Superman and comic book origin story. <laughs> and, you know, the thing I always think about is, you know, why, why did that even capture my, my attention and imagination? And, you know, I guess I did have a sense of Superman. I had probably that very action figure at home. Um, so it, it was that connection of nothing else. Maybe I had caught, I don't know that I had seen Superman the movie yet. I don't think I did. It's possible. It's more likely actually that I had caught some of the, the Superboy TV series on in the background as I was, as I was running around mm -hmm. the apartment. Um, again, not to the point where I had this deep knowledge of and connection to the character, but just enough between the toy and maybe what I had seen on the background on the television at some point that there was some recognition there. And again, it just, it set me on this path and, and we're here. And again, there's, there's, there's a straight line <laughs> from that moment to this one. So again, that's my origin story. I don't know that I'll, I'll tell the story again, cause I've, I've told it plenty, but, um, I, I love it. And, uh, again, I, I'm so glad that that was the beginning for me. Um, I can just tell you right now that if, well, first of all, I'm looking at the figure that you're talking about. It's it's definitely going to be that that DC Comics superheroes line that had it came out right right after the Batman movie it was really really cool. Um, I will tell you now that if DC released, I don't care what 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 toy line did it, if they released like you know the statue of Superman holding the eagle, and then like you turned it around and there'd be like a coffin and like a very gray action figures and a, I, they will take all my money. They will. <laughs> I will buy that playset the day it comes out. For sure. Um, you know, again, and this is not even a shameless plug, but, you know, the documentary that I did, My Comic Shop Country, the poster for which is is, is over my shoulder here, in the mm -hmm. movie, there's a sequence where I show a toy customizer who is actually building a Death of Superman um setup basically where it's where it's a, a dead superman at the feet of doomsday and it's 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 his it's really really cool um and again i know dc has put out death of superman uh, merchandise but um mm -hmm. i guess not quite what i'm looking for uh just yet but you never know <laughs> <laughs> hey we just gotta find the right custom action figure people man we just gotta we gotta find the right people it's true so again there's there's so much that i want to ask you i have some hypotheticals that i'm going to throw at you when we really get into the meat of of the death of superman story because there's a lot that I, that's been kicking nice. around my head um uh, but you know kind of what i want to say First, because I think this is maybe the most important thing that I'll say within the context of this crisis till death event that I've been doing here, as I've been for the first time reading the seven years or so that led up to the death of Superman. You know, previously I only ever read the story in a vacuum. And, you know, I don't know about yourself, but it's not, and, you know, people might think, oh, you, you know, you love Death of Superman, you probably read it every year. Again, I've read it maybe a handful of times in my life. You know, that first time that my dad read it to me, 
I probably read it myself, like I said, a year or two after that, maybe one more time in elementary school. And then years and years went by. And then I finally reread it just a few years ago. I did a Patreon episode about it before I ever even did Digging for Kryptonite. Um, and then again now. So, I mean, really a handful of times uh, in my life. But this was the first time that I read it with the context, with the backstory, with all of the setup, with all of the development of the supporting cast um, that we've been talking about over these past few episodes. And Bernie, I got to tell you, what a gift. What a gift to be able to effectively experience this story with fresh eyes as if I were reading it for the first time, just in a different way. It was, you know, I, I went into the reading, uh, you know, assignment for, for tonight and I was hoping that I would have that experience. But, you know, you, you, they always say, you know, keep your expectations low. And I, I was like, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm hoping to have this profound experience and I don't know if I will. And I did. And it's the sort of thing that, you know, for anyone listening or watching, whatever your death of Superman is, whether it's death of Superman <laughs> or whether it's something else, whether it's Superman related or not, whether it's comics or not, it's a book, it's an album, it's a movie, whatever. We all have those things that make that, that impact on us and, you know, things that we watch and we listen to over and over. And again, just to be able to have that experience of coming at it in a new way, it just hit me totally differently. I appreciated it more as a story Previously, I appreciated it as a comics event and as an event in my life. This time, I appreciated it more for the story that it is. And I'll tell you, numerous times between the death itself and the funeral, I was I was choking up numerous times. I might do that during this episode because there were a few things that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I just wanted to say that first and foremost, that, you know, this this crisis till death event has been this experiment, right? It's all been building to this. And I'm happy to report that I, I got out of it what I wanted to. And it just meant it just meant the world to me. Um, anything that you want to say, I want to toss it to you. And I guess the question I would I would pose to you is, um, again, how how many times have you read this story? How often, if at all, do you revisit the death of Superman? I know this is going to sound with so many comics and stories out there. I, I think I read it every two years. Good man. I I really do. I, I there there is something very emotional about the story. Um, I, I I know I read it again when the most recent animated film came out, and I don't know. I don't. We, that's a whole nother podcast. But I loved that approach. Obviously, there were there were differences, but that again, like that I, that was like, oh, got to go back and read it. Um, I'm really happy you did what you've done because. When you put the story in context and not event, it means a whole lot more. When you when you see why and how the tone of the comic book is shifting towards this this time, it it, it hits you a lot. And we're going to talk about a lot of the tone and why this is a big step forward in comic books in general, and not just the death of Superman. There's a lot of things that Death of Superman planted a seed in that both DC, Marvel, Image, a lot of a lot of publishers started to take note and go, oh, we can we can do this. Um, I love that you were able to enjoy the lead ups. I, I think the first story I went back to when I read Death of Superman is I read Crisis of the Crimson Kryptonite and moved forward from there. 
because you know college kid budget was pretty low and we were still finding 50 cent boxes but like i i filled in every one of those stupid triangles and <laughs> made sure you know i could get where i needed to be to get to death and understand it better like where were we going where's supporting cast going why do we care about these people and why do we ultimately why do they care for superman so much um and scott said it really well in a recent episode that you know the 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 90s like 91 to 92 there was a lot of, like they tried a lot of new characters they tried a lot of things but it was still fun like it the tone was still it wasn't as heavy like there were some tough things like in soul search and and other story arcs that were hard and you know superman going off the deep end with gang like becoming gangbuster and that kind of stuff it's like a therapist dream but uh yeah I, I think it was really smart for you to read the way you did um and not just approach us like an event but as a as something in a linear nature i love it yeah i got so much more out of it and and again you know we'll, we'll get into it but I'll, I'll just say generally speaking it was you know it <laughs> this might seem like a weird connection but it almost reminded me of of it's a wonderful life where which is one of my all-time favorite movies and i watch it every christmas eve and you know what, what always just touches me so much as i'm sure it does for for you know people the world over is you know when you see at the end of the movie all the people in george bailey's life all the people he helped along the way over the course of the movie they all show up for him and i'm getting look I'm <laughs> you're already getting choked I'm up getting what are we, yeah, we're, I know. we're in we're at the 30 minute mark <laughs> You know, wait till we get to Superman 75 and they and they compare Superman and Doomsday to boxers. Uh, and that just calls to mind Rocky. Oh, I'm going to be a mess by no, the time I'm done here. I know, buddy. You already ruined me making me watch the Rocky 4 trailer today. Oh, Rocky versus Drago. The ultimate director's oh, cut. Hell yeah. So excited. It's going to be so... I'm excited. <laughs> when it's Thanksgiving time and you can have a new Rocky movie, it's there's nothing better. There's nothing oh. better. Oh, I will give Fathom Events $20 immediately to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Big screen. Absolutely. So, uh, but so, you know, I, so again, I know it might sound weird to kind of look at death of Superman and think of it's a wonderful life, but you know, in the movie, right again, all these people, George has helped over the course of the movie, they all show up for him. And as mm -hmm. I was reading the death of Superman and now having all these years with the supporting cast, it's like, you know, you see Emil Hamilton and Mildred and Bibbo Babowski on the roof firing their laser at doomsday. It's like they yep. showed up to help him. Maggie Sawyer and Dan Turpin and the SCU, oh, Lex Luthor II in his own way and Matrix Supergirl, like they're Lois and Jimmy, they're, you know, they're all there, like all these people we have spent all this time with. Um, the poor Kents, you know, watching their son get mm -hmm. pummeled to death on the news across the country. I mean, it just... Again, all of it just meant um, just meant so much more to me, and and again now well, knowing all these people, it just it hit in a new way. Let's pause for a second too. So you name off all those people. By the way, humans, yeah, like regular people, and now they've watched for the last number of issues this beast that Superman and the Justice League can't take down. Yet they still go out with their belt force fields and Turpin gets thrown across the alley. You know, I mean, it's, they're there because they're like, if I can do anything to, to give Superman a breather, I'm going to do it, even if it means I'm going to die. And that, that that's how it works. And that's what friendship means. And again, like, yeah, we're, we're going to need tissues pretty soon, I think, for, for this one. Like, there's a lot of really cool, deep stuff that this started in comic storytelling that I think we see a lot now and we take for granted. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, 
indulge me for a minute. I, 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 might, I might monologue a little bit here, but I, you know, in some ways I've been waiting my whole life to say all of this. Uh, you know, I've thought a lot about what effect it has when your introduction to a character is that character's death. And the fact that for the first year, basically, that I was reading Superman, there was no Superman in the books. <laughs> I mean, again, and we'll get into Rain and Return next episode. And, you know, of course, Superman appears in that storyline relatively early, but, you know, he's kind of off on the sidelines for a while. And you don't quite know exactly what's going on. Is it really him? And I've always thought about, like, what, what effect did that have on me as a comics reader and as a Superman fan that I started with this story? And I think that, as a, as a comics reader, and look, detractors of the story might be like, what is this guy talking about? But I don't care. I feel like it set the bar very high in terms of what I, I expected from comics or what I knew that comics could accomplish. Because over the course of death, funeral, and reign, you get, you get action. You, I mean, oh, like just world-ending, earth-shattering action, quiet grief and drama, um, mystery and surprises, redemption and resurrection, you, it really runs the gamut. And so I think, you know, I don't think it's a surprise that I fell in love with comics over the course of this first year of reading because these stories had it all, you know, they had it all. They really covered everything. So again, as a comics reader, I think it had that effect. And then as a Superman fan, and I've, all day I've been thinking about this because I, I did my, my reread last night and, and it's just kind of been been percolating in my, my head all day as I've been thinking about this. And I think in much the same way as the characters within the story mythologize Superman after his death, right? They're all telling stories about, about you know, what he meant to them, what he did, what he inspires in them. You know, he becomes something more than you know, the, the man that these characters knew, like he really becomes something greater. And I think similarly, as the reader, Superman became more than this four color character on the page. He really became this ideal to me as well and became larger than life. And, you know, it's funny. I want to give a shout out to um, a fellow Superman podcaster, uh, Tyler from the, the Krypton Report podcast. He wrote an article for the Daily Planet website, a shout out to Daily Planet as well wrote an article recently about the Superman symbol and, and what it means to him and, and to other fans. And he made, I think, one of the most salient points that one could make about it. You know, it's easy to look at Superman and say, well, he's not real. He's a fictional character. But what that symbol means to people, the, the meaning that we all derive from it, that's real. That's something. And you, that's undeniable. And specifically within the context of Death of Superman, I think the thing that stood out to me then as a five-year-old, even though I wouldn't or couldn't articulate it, but I think it was there in my mind, and now I can articulate it. The fact that, you know, Superman was the last one standing, that he was the only one able to go the distance. There's our Rocky uh, comparison. Oh, there you go. That he was able to go the distance and that he was willing to make the sacrifice um, just put him in a, in, a, in a league, no pun intended, all his own, for me, you know, at that point. And I made a connection to um, one of the stories that, that I read for a prior episode. It's the episode, the issue where uh, Lois and Clark go to the mountains to discuss their relationship. And Lois says to Clark, why are you Superman? You know, she asks him the, mm -hmm. this most fundamental question. Why are you Superman? And he says, because no one else can. I, you know, I'm yeah. the only one who can do this. 
And I think that sometimes, especially in the comics at that time, there were, well, and today, I mean, this is nothing, you know, this has been going on for a while. There are so many metahumans and costumed superheroes that, you know, sometimes I guess you, you know, Superman might get lost in the shuffle or he might not seem so unique. But I think this story just showed how much he does stand apart. And in Superman 75, when Lois is, is pleading with, with Clark and she says like, you can retreat, like you can rest, like maybe we can find another way. And he's like, again, basically echoing that same idea. It's like, no one else can do this. Like the Justice League has already fallen. It's, it's me. It's just me. And if I, if I stop now, he's going to take out Metropolis. And, and again, it just shaped the way I see the character. And, um, and again, it's it's just not. I don't think it's a, a secret or a surprise. Like why this has resonated with me so much, and why Superman has always been and will always be my favorite comic book character. So, end of monologue. Thank you for uh, for, for <laughs> indulging me in that. <laughs> and the podcast is over, everybody. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> um, thank you for joining me, Bernie, for your seven minutes. <laughs> you know what? Like, I have a lot of people ask me because, again, I mean, I. I'm always, I mean, there's a, anything from a sticker on the back of my car to a shirt I'm wearing, to a hat I've got, to a backpack. You, I mean, you name it, that symbol is part of who I am. And people ask, like, like why, do you, like, why is he your favorite superhero? And I basically just say, if you strip away all of the powers that he has, he's still the best of us. Like, he, like it's, it's a bonus that he is the kind of strength that can stop a doomsday, but it's really who he is and what he does and how he was raised and what he stands for. That really is the ultimate hero. It's not about the hero because he can throw somebody across the planet. It's he's willing to do what needs to be done when people can't. And he could just hide it, you know, keep it under a basket. Nobody would ever know. And he could try to live a regular life, but he knows he can't do that. And he's trying to, have something of a life with Lois and you know, the writers kind of send a curveball that way and say, well, no, you're, you're still a hero. And I'm really happy. You want to have you, you know, engaged to a really nice lady like Lois, but doomsday's coming. And what are you, are you going to be Superman? Or are you going to be man? What are you going to be? Yeah, no, exactly. And you know, we'll talk about Lois's role in this and the whole supporting cast, but mm -hmm. yeah, the fact that, and as we've discussed in these previous episodes, you know, they they finally, I mean, again, post-crisis didn't take that long, but in terms of the overall history of the character, it, it took over 50 years, you know, but we finally had Lois and Clark in a relationship and we finally had her knowing his identity. And, yeah, um, you know, we'll talk about the backstory of, of the death of Superman, how it came to be, but, you know, clearly the writers were planning, they were building towards a wedding and then they swerved. Right. Uh, just as uh, events swerved with, you know, for the characters in the story. But it just, right. you know, it added so much and, you know, so much emotional resonance that Lois knew that Clark was Superman and that they had this love. It, it really took it to another level. The fact that, you know, again, they're, generally speaking, I love the Kents being alive post-crisis. Um, there yeah. are a lot of times where that just boils down to nothing more than, you know, Clark can pop over there and have some pie and get a little advice from Pa out in the field. And I love that. I'm there for that, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But when you can really take it to the next level 
and and again, you see that in the way they they mourn him in these stories. You see it in prior stories. You know, in the Krypton Man story, where you know Eradicator has has corrupted Clark's mind, and you know Jonathan and Martha, are the only two who know and who, what's going on, and they, they go and they go and get their boy back. I mean, it's you know it's one of those things where it's like this is why you have the Kents alive. You can do stories like this. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, I, I agree with you completely. And, you know, you mentioned, and again, this is not a shameless plug, but you mentioned the animated adaptation. Um, later in October, I'm going to be putting out sort of a bonus episode, uh, a little epilogue to this Crisis Till Death event, where uh, I'm going to be joined by returning guest Rich Wagner, who was with me for the, uh, the discussion of the ethical, the ethics and, mor- and uh, morality of Superman. Uh, he'll be joining me on Patreon uh, we'll be looking at uh, that Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman, those animated adaptations. So so we'll be talking about that as well because there's a lot there, and um, especially in, in terms of uh, the, the Lois and Clark of it all. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. the, the Death of Superman movie in particular really did a beautiful job of, um, again, depicting the grief and just also showing just you know how, how this all kind of you know, that ties together the, the sacrifice and, and the love that they have. So we will be talking about that for anyone who's interested. And we're going to like, we'll probably like go a little bit towards that because there's, there's um, a parallel between the justice league that we get in this comic and the <laughs> justice league that we get in the adaptation. Yes. And there's something that I would definitely, that's, that is one of the few frustrations that I have about this that we'll definitely get to. Yes, I know where you're going, and I'm right there with you. And uh, let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. And we will really dive head on uh, into the death of Superman. So we'll be right back. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas. Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, the Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Submission information for filmmakers as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. All right, so how do we even end up with the death of Superman to begin with? I mean, you know, I don't think we're going to really break much new ground here. This has been well covered, and the creators involved have given interview after interview over the years where they've talked about this, but... And we've even discussed this in, in prior episodes, but, you know, essentially yeah. the uh, the four Superman creative teams, right? And they would meet every year for their super summit uh, with Mike Carlin and they would they would map out the year's worth of stories, essentially, you know, operating like a like a, a television writing staff. And they were building towards the wedding of Lois and Clark. And again, if you read the stories, it's clear, you know, like that's the Lois and Clark get engaged. That's a natural next step. But. What was going on behind the scenes was that Warner Brothers was developing this, what would ultimately become the Lois and Clark, the New Adventures of Superman television show, which would play up the love triangle among Lois, Clark, and Superman, would really get into the romantic tension, and would ultimately culminate in the marriage between Lois and Clark. 
And it was decided by who we'll get to in a second, but it was decided that the comics would pump the brakes on the Lois and Clark marriage and instead save it to line up with the TV show and do it when the TV show did it. Now, I always thought, and tell me what you thought, I always thought this was an instance of corporate synergy forcing its will on the comic staff. Is that Was that your understanding? Yeah, my take my take was that because of the show, the the big wig said, I like that idea. You can't do that now. We're doing that on the show. It's gonna reach more people, which is hilarious, by the way. It's gonna reach more people. We'll talk about that later too. <laughs> um But they said, No, I'm sorry, you can't do that. Um, hold off. That's that was my impression until about two weeks ago. So uh, in advance of this, I was I was doing a little research and I came across uh, an oral history of the death of Superman on the sci-fi website. And they interviewed Mike Carlin and, and most of the main creators who were involved. And again, it's the same names we've been talking about in all of these episodes, Dan Jurgens, Jerry Ordway, uh, uh, Louise Simonson, um, Roger Stern, right? Mike Carlin, uh, the artists as well, John Bogdanov, um, Tom Grummet, and Jackson Geis. I think I've I think I've hit everybody now. <laughs> Carl, could you say Carl Kessel? Well, he comes in with Reign of the Superman. He comes oh, in. He's I with, with he Adventures Five Hundred One. So Ordway's oh. final issue was five hundred, and then yeah. So uh, so we'll, we'll get to him next. My bad. We'll, no, all good. We'll get to him next episode. <laughs> but so yeah. they interviewed most of these creators, and what Carlin was pretty adamant about was that he, according to Mike Carlin, the editor, the group editor at the time, he and Jeanette Kahn, the president of DC at the time they were the ones who decided that they wanted to tie into the television show. It wasn't something that Warner Brothers forced on them. They decided that they wanted to hold off on the wedding in the comics to coincide with when the TV show would ultimately do the wedding. Um, in any event, they you know it was basically sprung on the creators and they really had to pivot away from the wedding that they were building towards. And again, this has been discussed in many, many interviews, but it had become a running gag at these super summits that whenever they got stuck, Jerry Ordway would throw out, why don't we just kill him? And finally, it was at, at this summit where everyone took it a lot more seriously. And it also mm -hmm. dovetailed with ideas that Dan Jurgens had. He wanted to put Superman up against an unstoppable beast of a character. And he wanted to right. do an all fight issue. That was another thing that, and, and so I think those ideas just kind of all came together and led to this. And we ended up with there's, the death of Superman. Right. There's another side of this too. So, and there's been like speculation too about comic sales. Um, comic sales were not doing well. And, and this decision, I mean, it really was a comic event. We, if, as we're, as we were talking earlier, it, they made it very fluid. I mean, they didn't decide five issues before it's going to happen. Right. They saw this a year out. So they did a very nice job of doing this. But from what it sounds like in articles I've read, sales were down. They did need something to bring people back to comics, which, by the way, brought me back. And now I've, for the last 30 years, been buying Superman comics. So it worked for them. Um, you know, most people, most people, I think, see the idea that was favorable. I think that the death was a good idea. It, they, they, they ran it well. Even the return, there's always going to be haters about how they did it. And we'll talk about that when we get to that episode next time. But, you know, it sold 6 million copies. 
the death of Superman issue alone sold 6 million. Like stores were mobbed. There were lines around the block. Like it did exactly what DC needed it to do at the time and allowed them like how, 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 how deep do you want to go right now? Where do you, do you want to go into what the death of Superman did for DC comics? Sure. I mean, you know, ultimately I, you know, I want to keep us on, on the story itself as much as possible, but yeah, I agree. I don't think we can ignore, you know, the, the effect that it would have in, in the years to come. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go there. Let me give you like, let me give you and the fans three things to think about. So first of all, uh, the, the Batman getting, uh, his back broken by Bane wouldn't happen without this death. Uh, we eventually have green arrow getting killed pretty close. We have Green Lantern going bananas. Uh, let's see what else. Um, Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman dies. Yep. And then Marvel goes, oh, we better do something. So then pretty close after that, the Clone Saga happened for Spider-Man. So this, and there's there's a whole myriad of things we're going to talk about when we get to the story, but this was a linchpin for DC Comics to go, okay, this worked. What's next? And then other companies had to go, oh my gosh, they're a juggernaut. What's happening? But uh, yeah, so like somebody compared, well, first of all, it's the major, the first major A-list character of DC to ever die. Second, I, I read a quote that it was compared to killing Uncle Sam and Apple Pie. <laughs> That's what they said killing Superman was like. I was like, but you know what? 1938. Like, that's a big deal for people that are reading since the Silver and Bronze Age even that are still around. So, yeah, it's it's a big thing. Let's uh, let's jump into the story of it, I think. And we're going to we're going to unfold a lot of stuff, too. I, yeah, I, but I, I, I want to pick up on a couple of things because, yeah, you're 100 percent spot on. I mean, the the sales were lagging. Right. And, and of course, this, mm -hmm. at least temporarily, <laughs> really was a huge spike. But hand in hand with with the sales, you know, what, one of the things that the creators talked about in, in that interview and others as well was that, um, I, I guess, again, hand in hand with the sales was what they perceived to be this lack of appreciation for Superman, especially, you know, at that point in the 90s, I guess other, you know, darker, more violent characters getting more attention from right. fans. And this was an opportunity to say, hey, don't take this guy for granted. And I think it was Carlin right. in that oral history. I think it was Mike Carlin who said that, uh, you know, someone came up to him and was like, how could you kill Superman? And his re standard response became, when's the last time you bought a Superman comic? And often the response would be like, oh, like I either, I, I've never bought a Superman comic, right. or, you know, not in yeah. a long time. And he's like, well, that's why we killed him. So yeah, obviously there was, you know, a, a lot, a lot going on again that led to it and then a lot that it led to. And yeah, I mean, I think you cited all of the examples of, the, the the direct consequences of the death of Superman and the success of the death of Superman. And you see variations of it with <laughs> all these other characters, both at DC and elsewhere. And again, ironically enough, my introduction to Spider-Man was the clone saga. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. these, these events, you know, for better or worse, you know, they, uh, again, they made me fans of Superman. They made me fan, uh, they made me a fan of, uh, of Spider-Man as well. But anyway, that's, that's how we, you know, we got to the death of Superman story. And again, we're only talking about, uh, I should have the exact number of issues right off the top of my head, but you know, know. across the Superman titles and the issue of justice league, I mean, the death of Superman itself is seven issues. I think it's not, you know, it's not a, not a, lot. a terribly lengthy story. I'll be honest, in the past, 
And in fact, when I think when I did that Patreon episode about the death of Superman a few years ago, I, I think my main criticism was, oh, it's just a slugfest. Reading it now, I feel I feel differently. Um, I, and I, again, I think in large part because now I, I, I've read everything that led up to it. So I'm not reading it in a vacuum anymore. I'm reading it, you know, again, just as, as part of this line that I've been reading now. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't see it that way. And then even, even if it is a slugfest, and again, yes, it, it is very action-packed and the battle really is the meat of this story here. But I feel like it's so well executed in various ways. Um, it's, it's just, I don't know, I feel like it's very uh, effectively told. Um, shall we address the decreasing panel per page uh, structure that, that they utilize? Would you like to lay that out for it our is, audience? It is such a good idea that when I, I did not think until I read it more times, I didn't catch it. So they basically did a countdown to the death and the four four issues leading up to 75. Um, so I guess it'll be the, the whole month. The first one, every panel had four pages. The third to last, every panel had three. Then it was two big splashes. And then all of 75, every page is a one-page splash panel. And it's and that, that, to me, is incredible. And I think that's what made it so big. Yeah. Like, you can see the full swings. They're both hitting each other. You can see, like, their arms are crossed. It's... It's intense. It's a genius move from the artists and the storyboarding concept. It's brilliant. It's you know why it's you know why it's brilliant and and it's like I have to tip my hat to them because <laughs> tell me Anthony, tell me why it's brilliant. <laughs> because as a as a five year old, <laughs> yeah. it, I would I, I that I completely went over my head. Even when I read it when I was a little bit older, it went completely over yep. my head. But I think subliminally, it still works because it's still conveying the sense that we're building towards something and the action is yeah. getting bigger and we're getting pulled more into it. So even if you don't know, oh, there are three panels per page in every issue of the third to last issue of the story, it doesn't matter because the effect is still there. And if you are aware of it, as you know, we are now as we read it, it's just from a, yeah. a technical standpoint, from, the, from a craftsmanship standpoint, it's just, it's so well done. And I think it's brilliant yeah. because it just works whether you get it or not, it still has the effect. And I just think it was su such a great idea. And again, you know, Superman 75, it's just, it's so iconic. And I mean, almost almost every one of those splash pages is seared, is seared into my brain. And, yep. you know, if, if it hadn't been for those splashes, maybe it still would, but that definitely <laughs> made an impact. Well, and for the record, we don't just get one page splashes we get you open the book and it's two pages connected into a double splash again that's the thing from a artistry layout standpoint it, it is genius to be able to do that and tell the story knowing full well you're doing that too that was an incredible thing that i still love watching and honestly every single one of those superman 75 pages is like they should make copies that are perforated that you could just go like Broop, and then like put one on the wall. It's, it's so awesome. It should be wall art. You know, it's so funny you say that because when I was thinking about this last night, there are, there are two things that come to mind when I think of, of wall art related to this. One is Superman 75. I agree with you. Yeah. It's like you could hang up any of those pages. The other, and we'll get into funeral for a friend uh, very shortly in this episode, but 
um, the covers to Funeral for a Friend, those, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I, I guess I can explain why. Um, you know, Death of Superman I were, was read to me in trade paperback form. So the cover mm-hmm. of that trade right. is very indelible to me, but the other covers weren't as much of a thing for me. But Funeral for a Friend I read in single issue form. And those covers... Oh, you know gorgeous. the the black and white photo of of Superman dead on the pavement, the 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 Justice League assembled uh, for the funeral, you know Superman flying off into the clouds, like Jonathan yeah. laying lying face down in the in the fields on the Kent farm, yeah. like those covers. Uh, again, I would happily hang you know uh, a recre- oh. you know a reprint of any of those, uh, you know, on my walls for sure. Anytime I see, I know this is ridiculous. I have, I have the first prints in like to my right in the bin, but it's so pathetic, Anthony, that even when I go to a comic book show now, if I see any of those for like two bucks, I'm like mine. And those are the wall copy. Those are the ones that go on the comic mount on the wall. My favorite one is there's one where they're all standing on the top of the daily planet. And there's the globe and the suit and Superman's like tattered cape is like, floating in air i was like oh my gosh these are incredible like you're you're on point like i i love i would use all that as wall art just yeah. keep them together like put them right in a row no doubt um you know so as, as we're talking about the story uh you know leading up to the death of superman and uh scott and i mentioned this at, at the end of our last episode but you know there's very little buildup to the death of Superman. The only teases mm-hmm. we get are for the month prior. At the end of each issue, yep. we would get that one page of Doomsday's fist banging the wall. And we didn't know who it was, where it was, what was coming. Um, although, well, I guess I the, the, little, I the little caption said Doomsday is coming. So we had some sense. Yeah. Um, but that's it. I mean, it really kind of came out of nowhere. And that leads me to um, leads me to this. So this is the wizard um, death of Superman issue. You have that? Oh, yeah, baby. I got to give a shout out to uh, comics retailer Sean Hendricks of Fat Moose Comics in Whippany, New Jersey. Because a few years ago nice. at, a, at, a, at a New Jersey comic convention, he, he surprised me with this. And I didn't know that it existed. Just like that Ruby it's Spears awesome. Superman cartoon. I'm constantly being surprised. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. And, uh, and, and I read through this last night. And, you know, a ton of articles. I mean, the entire issue is just all Superman, all death of Superman. Really interesting. Um <laughs> But there, there are a couple of articles that, to be honest, are slightly critical of the death of Superman story. It's not like a love fest, and no. I think that, I think that, the criticisms that kind of came through in some of the articles in that Wizard, I think, are representative of some of the criticisms that people have of the story generally. And I kind of wanted to unpack them a little bit because they're they're very interesting mm-hmm. to me. And one of them was that it came out of nowhere, and. To me, it's like, but that's the point. It's like you know, the yeah. idea that like there's always there's always something or there always could be something out there that could take Superman out and that it just yeah. happens the way that it does. Like it's it is out of nowhere. But again, I feel like that that adds to the the weight and the drama of the story. I don't I don't see that as a weakness. Well, like that's that's kind of a dumb statement to make when everything about the comics world and drama that happens is sudden. Like it's not like an Austin powers movie where like, you know, the guy's screaming, Oh, and there's like a steamroller slowly moving towards him and he's freaking out. But like everything's about this. The fact that we even got the little tiny, like bashes against the wall at the end, I would love to have been 
a reader at that point going like, what, what is <laughs> happening? And don't forget, mind you, this is pre-internet. That's a, that was that's a big thing that magazines and newspapers were the only way there. I don't think there were any maybe on the news, you know, when it happened. But if something if, if like, for example, if Batman was going to die, you know, it would be already out in the Internet, you know, for a month before it happened. They ruined Batman's wedding issue by doing that, you know, all, all that kind of stuff in current media. But I want to show you something. You brought that out. Have you seen this before? Ah uh, yes, the news time. So it, that's actually collected in the the trades that you and I both oh, have. And really, and I don't I don't often tout the DC I, app I normally. I stopped, <laughs> <laughs> but I but they have it there too. So yeah, no, that I, so yes, I am aware of that for sure. Oh, nice! Because I was at a store and I saw it like literally last week. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get it. I gotta look through it, and it, it's great because it's a. It looks like a real magazine. Like, it's ridiculous. It's brilliant. I mean, so Newstime, right, you know, exists within the world of the Superman comics. And so DC right. put out a special edition of the Newstime magazine dedicated yeah. to the legacy of Superman. And so you, it reads as if you were in the DC universe reading this magazine. I love it. It's really, really cool. And I think that was because um, there were a few specials. There was the Supergirl Team Luther special. There was the Legacy of Superman right. special in Newstime. So right. after uh, Adventures, um, or the, after the the final installment of Funeral for a Friend, DC ceased publication of the Superman books for a few months to create this this sense that that's it, we're done. <laughs> he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Everybody, what do we do now? <laughs> but they needed other stuff to publish. I think that's kind of where you know where that came yeah. from. But so I'm with. I mean, I agree with you. I think that. Um, the fact that it comes out of nowhere and it's a surprise to the audience and to the characters more, more importantly, I think that works. The other criticism, and this is where I have the hypotheticals that I want to post to you. Cause I don't even know. I don't know where I fully land on this. Ultimately. I think okay. the story made the right choice. In the end, in my heart, I think the story made the right choice, but you know, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for some, a couple of alternatives. So the other criticism that again came up in this wizard article and that I think maybe others might, might feel is that it was a mistake to have Superman die at the hands of a new character we've never met with no connection mm -hmm. to Superman, again, who comes out of nowhere, as opposed to it being, you know, Lex or one of the other members of the rogues gallery. And the, the wizard issue actually even references the Silver Age story, the death of Superman from Superman mm -hmm. 159 or 156, uh, one, one, one of them. But we actually talked about yeah. it when we did our Superman in the Silver Age episode. And that's the issue in the Silver Age where Lex Luthor pretends he's reformed, lulls Superman into a false sense of security, and then kills him to death with kryptonite poisoning. And Supergirl then reveals herself to the world, brings Lex to justice, and takes, on, takes over for Superman. And it's a happy-ish ending. I, you know, it's a... As far as Silver Age stories go, it was actually one of my... Um, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit and it, you know, it was, it was an imaginary story, right? There it is. Yes. That's how they got away with that. That's yeah. how they got away with it. Um, but <laughs> even in the context of being an imaginary story, as much as it was interesting and I enjoyed it, I mean, it's not for me as a, as a Superman fan, it's in no way, shape or form a fitting end for the character that he just gets tricked and defeated and bested by Lex. And that's just it. Um, so for those who are like, oh, that would have been a better end. I really, I don't agree with that, you know, to each their own, but I, I don't agree with that. 
Um, but I guess before I pose my hypotheticals, hypotheticals, because I think there are a couple of alternatives that would be interesting. Let me ask you, I mean, what do you think of the choice to use this new creation of Doomsday to be the one who brings about the death? Uh, I never had a problem with it because I feel that we know the whole rose gallery and they've had numbers of times to try to kill Superman over decades i think if we're going to kill superman it needs to be something that is confusing to people I, and, and especially confusing to superman like here i'm going to give you a few quotes from the for how we how, how doomsday is described um he's more single-minded than draga and more irrational than lobo if that's even possible <laughs> so that was the first thing he's saying. He's like, I don't, I don't get this. It's kind of like as a Rocky fan, you know, Rocky fought Creed, Mr. T. And then Drago's like, this, this guy's not human. Like who is like, this is not good. And there is a parallel to the Superman doomsday fight. Cause it's just incredible. He keeps hitting him and saying, I remember the quote where Superman goes, is it possible he's getting stronger? And I, I didn't remember that until I read this read. I was like, whoa, like, so is it possible that every time Superman's hitting him that he's actually getting stronger? Like, is he absorbing it and giving it back? So this is, I think it was a good choice. I think because it perplexed Superman. Um, what do you got? What do you like? What, is that, does that jive? That's in the end, that's where I land as well. I think that Superman's death coming at the hands of this unstoppable force of nature who comes out of nowhere and we don't know his deal. And eventually Doomsday's yeah. origin will be told later on in subsequent comics. But for purposes of this story, we have no idea and the characters have no idea. Yeah. I think it, it there's just something very pure and elemental about it. And if you're mm -hmm. going to kill Superman, I think, I think that's the most fitting way to do it um you know i and the creators in their interviews have addressed that you know they didn't necessarily feel that any of the existing rogues gallery really had right. had it in them which i do tend to agree with and you know if it ultimately comes down to as in the case of that silver age story like lex getting one over on him or something like that it just it cheapens the whole affair and it diminishes the character of superman so i don't really again i don't think that was the way to go so i, th I think ultimately the choice to use a new creation and to use this mindless beast um, mm -hmm. whose origins are a mystery to the characters, I, I do think overall that was the right choice. Um, one thing I wanted to pose to you, because I you know we talked about Mongol uh, in mm -hmm. our discussion of Superman in the Bronze Age, and we talked about For the Man Who Has Everything. And earlier in this right. podcast miniseries that I've been doing, we talked about Mongol in the, uh, the, the Exile storyline. And mm -hmm. I was thinking about it because I, th I think that ultimately, right, Superman's death, it needs to be this to-the-death physical confrontation. It can't be he's poisoned by kryptonite, right? It has to be right. this fight to the end. So that initially like, really shrinks the pool of like who are the opponents who could actually go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Superman to the end. Mongol potentially could. Yeah. One potential advantage of Mongol, if, if, story-wise, if you were – if you you know, we're, we're interested in this, is that there is a personal connection there. We do have that backstory from the from the war world, uh, you know, 
mm-hmm. you know episode of of um uh, of the exile storyline um you know mongol is not a mindless beast right like he can actually oh, no. converse with superman um and of course we all know right we're going to deal with mongol in our next episode when we talk about reign of the superman but the thought crossed my mind it's like what if what if it had been mongol so you still have the fight to the death you still have the physical confrontation but you do have some history some backstory between the two characters you do have some dialogue between the two characters I mean, is that something that you think would have would have been interesting to see, or you think still ultimately Doomsday was the the right way? That's a really cool question, actually, because I've always thought, and we'll get to this in the rain. I feel like Mago comes out of nowhere in like at the end, like with the Coast City issue. We'll talk about that, but but I I think it could have been really cool that. Mongol shows up for revenge because really the way it was left was Superman kind of ruined his whole jive. Like he every, every plan, yeah. his at war world, he basically created a revolt and and ruined what Mongol had going there. What could have been really interesting was Mongol releasing all of his followers into Metropolis and just wreaking havoc and holding people back while Mongol beat the living hell out of Superman in front of them and that's like he goes i'm gonna kill you now and just so you know after i kill you i'm killing all of them like that that would have been like oh damn like and then to lead into the superman coming back and then mongol's about to toast coke co city and that would have made a little more sense there um but again there's other plans behind mongol in the reign of the Superman. So they, that's how they fix that. I think, but I, I dig it. Like if, Hey, you know what, if Marvel can do the, what if episodes on Disney plus, I think they better start doing a, maybe a, what if on a, or else they, if they could, Oh man, can you imagine they did an Elseworld series on HBO max? I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that he was the one contender where I was like, there might be a way to still keep the essential heart of the story that there's this fight yeah. to the death but add a more personal, intellectual, mm-hmm. emotional component to it. Yeah, that, like a vendetta. Yes. Now, that being said, like I said before, in in my heart, I do think Doomsday was the right choice. And, you know, I'm not a horror fan, really, at all, to be honest. But, I mean, this almost, like, plays out like this horror movie where, you, you know, oh, yeah. we and the, and the characters are, like, just baffled by him. Mm-hmm. And I think the story really does a very effective job, right? The, the golden rule of writing, show, don't tell. And I think this story does a great job where you see this character of Doomsday carving this path of destruction for the first few issues with one arm tied behind his back, decimating the Justice League, taking, you know, going toe to toe with Superman, um, you know, a car- you know, again, <laughs> going back to, uh, you know, to Rocky here, it's like, you know, Superman, Superman has been tested before, but never to this extent. And it just, it's a very powerful effect as you're reading the issues and it's just like, you know, for, for Superman and for the characters watching Superman, it's like, well, Superman always wins. Mm-hmm. So it's like, of right. course, he'll, and it just, there's nothing that stops Doomsday. And I, I think it's yeah. just, it's, it's very effective. Um, this I might sound insane when I say this, um, as I was reading the story, I knew rationally, intellectually, I knew 
obviously, oh, no. <laughs> obviously Superman's going to die. I know, yeah. <laughs> right? Did you think it's going to change? Like, did you, then, did you think maybe it'll change differently at the end? But it's like this gut, <laughs> it's like this feeling, it's like this gut feeling where it's like maybe a win. <laughs> Maybe the pages have changed in the last five times I've read the trade. But, you know, I think that's, but I think that's a testament to the story where it's like you want, you know, you don't want to see Superman fall. No. And it's like, you'll trick yourself. Again, in my mind, I knew, but in my heart, in my gut, I was like, maybe he'll win. Um, and, okay. Yeah. All right. Now, this is one of my, and, and, and you just read it last night. Yeah. Was it last night? Okay. So. The, my one of my favorite pages in the entire run. So this is just after Booster gets thrown across the country, and Superman catches him. Mm -hmm. And I think the last page of that issue, uh, he's he said it's like Doomsday. So he names him. My one of my favorite panels in the entire trade is Superman, like for the first time, is standing in front of Doomsday, and says, "What did Booster call you again?" Oh, right doomsday and doomsday hits him and superman doesn't even move he just stands there it's like douche and and you're like oh damn superman's gonna beat the hell out of him and then doomsday roundhouse kicks him in the gut and sends him flying i was like and like you're saying you're going oh no oh this is not gonna go well wait a second this is why would anybody be able to kick him that hard and send him that far flying so you also just watched i'm mean, getting just to swear once you watch doomsday beat the living shit out of the justice league and where that i'm i'm reading it again and even reading it after after like just two years we're talking about like if blue beetle has no powers whatsoever and he grabs him by the head bashes him into the pipe into the wall i mean he treated him like remember that scene when like hulk did to loki yeah 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 yeah. like he, like he just like like whipping around like a ragdoll he does that to blue beetle booster guy he steps on ice's chest and you like hear ribs crack so i was trying to think back at this time frame we're talking about 1992 what comics what i, I don't think any comics had that kind of human trauma and Doomsday literally grabs construction workers' heads and crushes one into a bloody pulp and snaps the neck of the other guy. And I was like, what is happening in comics? What just happened in comics? So that was huge. Well said. And, you know, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about this story, especially as we get into funeral for a friend and, and, and beyond, mm -hmm. I feel like the story very seriously and realistically treated the destruction that a battle like this would cause. That's why, yeah. and again, I won't, I'm going to stay on my Zack Snyder soapbox for like a second. Oh, you for did like it. A second. I was like, <laughs> fans were at an hour, I think. We we're he, just he at an made hour. it a whole hour. I made it an hour. <laughs> but it's like, when you look at that battle in Man of Steel and it's like, oh, it's destruction porn. It's like, well, what do you think would happen if these two yeah. superpowered beings fought for that amount of time? It's like, yeah, the city would be demolished. Anyway, yeah. that's do you it. The, that's it. Do you remember the scene <laughs> above? There's the scene above where you see like the path that yeah. Doomsday took through like the highways. There's cars falling down. Like, like that's what would happen if this guy could do that. He's and I mean he was destroying trucks and people. Like he didn't even care. And that's what was more fr frightening as a reader to me. Yeah, that you don't even. First of all, you don't know who this is. Second of all, you don't know why he is. 
And third, he's just killing people. We've never seen, think you've read from right. 1987 to now. Name one person who has died in a way like that in those seven years. True. And, and or has died with no purpose. You know, it's like every villain yeah. we've encountered has some agenda that you can Correct. identify. And here you don't have that. And that's very powerful. I mean, again, Doomsday is really just this elemental force of nature. And I think that's what yeah. you need if you're going to do a Death of Superman story. Um, you know, going back to this idea of like the mystery of one of the things that I really do like is that over the course of these, you know, half a dozen issues, various characters posit theories you know, on, on who, on who Doomsday may be like a leftover from War World, right? Because that's a possibility, right. a, a Cadmus creation, a Luther creation. Well, that comes up. That, yeah, that happens. They say like, did we make this? Right. Like, even the Cadmus people, they're questioning themselves like, is this ours? Did we do this? Which, that's messed up to begin with. So I love this idea that the characters in the story are asking the same yeah. questions and posing the same theories that readers likely yeah. would as well. And of course, none of those are true. Um, you know, right. ultimately later in the, uh, in the Superman Doomsday Hunter Prey miniseries, yeah. uh, by, by Dan Jurgens, we'll find out that Doomsday was a, was a Kryptonian creation, this ultimate killing machine. Well, and we're talking, so, and they don't even do the full reveal then. That's just, they find out that he's Kryptonian. Not until the year one in 1995, two years <laughs> later. Does Jurgens go, oh, by the way, he's a killing machine because the Kryptonian scientists put a baby out into the world and let it get killed over and over again and grew to this disgusting, awful beast. I, two years. Like, that's a long time to go, yeah, no crap this thing would kill Superman if he was known that. Yeah. So now here are, here's, here are the hypotheticals that I have for you, uh, aside from the Mongol okay. piece, but now specifically relating <laughs> to, um, to, to Doomsday. As Scott and I have discussed in, in prior installments of, of Crisis Till Death, um, mm -hmm. both of us really liked the, um, the Eradicator storylines, the stories that um, really depicted this tension for, for Clark between uh, you know, his, his, his human upbringing and his Kryptonian origins. Um, do you think there would have been any value in the reader and potentially the characters themselves knowing Doomsday's Kryptonian origins during the death of Superman? You know, if, if, if for those like myself and like Scott, like who are fans of Day of the Krypton Man and all that Eradicator right. stuff, like would it have been as effective, more effective to know that Doomsday was Kryptonian during the course of the story? I don't, I don't think it would have mattered because even if you think about the destruction or even fake death of Doomsday, Doomsday is not dead. True. So, and he like I he doesn't die by the typical kryptonite or any sort of form that we know of that would hurt Kryptonians. So I don't know whether that I think it might have been a moot point if we knew it might have just added more confusion. Like why is this person coming after Superman if he's from Krypton? So. If anything, it could have added confusion, but I don't know if it would have made a big difference for the characters to know that ahead of time. Fair enough. Now, the flip of that question. Um, okay. Again, as you and I have discussed, right, ultimately we do get Doomsday's origin. It takes years before we get the entire thing. Um, right. And also, and for our audience here, we're going to talk about the hunter prey and the doomsday wars and subsequent doomsday appearances in the future on the podcast. We'll get, we'll get to all of that. Don't worry. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I guess my question to you is, and oh, I, what I would say is that I do feel like Doomsday is a character where the law of diminishing returns is at play in a real, real big way. It's like when you're when your claim to fame in your first outing is killing Superman, there's like nowhere to go but down. And so I don't know that I don't know that subsequent Doomsday stories have really done all that much. Like I, you know, and and that kind of leads me to my question: Do you think that it it, it would have been even more? powerful and effective if we never got an origin for doomsday and if doomsday never returned like if that was just it like he came out of nowhere he killed superman and we just like never knew where he came from or or is it one of those things where it's like no like of course you have to eventually explain where this guy came from it's really that's a really kind of interesting because i think it would it would really cool to never know I kind of think so think too, to be been, honest. Yeah. Well, and, but the problem is it's, is whether it's Hollywood or TV or comics, you get something that works like that. You're going to milk it for everything you can. Like they're going to bring him back. And unfortunately, like we learned from bad sequels, it doesn't always work the way it worked originally. And it goes down. Like you said, what do you do from there? The one thing that was kind of neat was when uh, Doomsday gained intelligence. Yeah. Uh, and you'll get to that. It was interesting. Like, oh. And they did some cool stuff recently with the Doomsday cells being a virus and taking over Superman. That happened in recent comics, actually. Like Super Doom, like DNA hybrid, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, man, I think that could have been really interesting where... We don't know where he came from because you know why that would have been scary is if you didn't know where he came from and he killed Superman, what if there's more of them? Mm -hmm. Like if he came out of nowhere and he's buried in a box underground and came out of this, wouldn't that kind of freak you out as a superhero on earth going, what if there's a race of doomsdays out there that we don't know about and Superman just died? We're screwed like that. I think that could have been really interesting, but I mean, I think we as fans like always like to know more like, all right, where'd he come from? And somebody will appease us because that's their job. But I, I actually, I agree with you. I think it would have been nice to just keep it a total wacko mystery. Like, yep, we don't know. He's dead. <laughs> it, that's the thing. It's like due to the nature of superhero comics and publishing, it's like, yeah, of course. I, yeah. You know, I don't think that would ever fly. Like, of course, they're going to tell more stories with Doomsday. I get it. I totally get it. But yeah, purely from a story perspective, I think there's really something about like, if we just never knew. Um, again, that's not how it played out. But I, that was one of the things that I thought of. And I want to circle back to something that you had said before, which of course was, was on my mind as I was reading this. And it's, it's one of the only real criticisms I have of the story. And it's not even... I mean, I don't know if that's even a fair criticism to make because they were just working with the characters they had at the time, which I get, I appreciate that. But it it does date the story and it also, it does it does diminish it a little bit. Uh, what I'm referring to, of course, is the lineup of the Justice League. Yeah. Uh, at, at this point in time, we are not dealing with the heavy hitters. We have Fire, Ice, Guy Gardner, Maxima, Bloodwind, Blue Beetle, yeah. Booster Gold. Again, it's not it's not the big seven. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going to talk about the Justice League more in the future on this podcast, especially as we kind mm -hmm. of expand our focus and start talking more about other characters and teams as well. But 
it's interesting that, you know, pre-crisis, you know, you, you, you did have the heavy, the heavy hitters on the team and shortly thereafter, the period of time we're talking about now, when Morrison comes on, we'll, we'll get the heavy hitters again, but there's this pocket (laughs) right within which the death of Superman falls, where you, you have more of the, like the B and C list characters. And I do think in all fairness, it takes away a little something from the story. And I say that having watched the death of Superman animated adaptation where there the justice league is wonder woman and green lantern and flash and aquaman and martian man like the big characters and so when you see doomsday take them down it's like oh this is this is a heavy hitter here what what are your thoughts that's that is my ultimate that's my ultimate criticism too because okay if batman can get his ass to the funeral why couldn't he get his ass to metropolis yeah all of them, like, like they're all. I know, like I, I, all of them. It, like, where's Wonder Woman? Where where are they? And like you put up, you, I mean, really, come on, you literally put up like one guy in a beetle suit, and then a force a booster's wearing a force field. Guy Gardner's got a ring, which should be actually a lot stronger, and Bloodwind, who is ultimately we find out to be Martian Manhunter. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, but. I guess I just never understood. Maybe you have them get the crap kicked out of them. And then in the second, like penultimate issue, one woman, Batman do show up and they get the snot kicked out of them to give Superman a breather. And then he goes, I'm on my own here. Like it just felt like there was a really big gap between like blue beetle and Superman. <laughs> like that I, that was confusing to me and it still perplexes me as a decision but Anthony remember you said what you said though isn't fully accurate pre-crisis. Mm. So the pre-crisis Justice League lineup was also kind of a dumpster fire too. Like it was Commander Steel, Gypsy, Vibe, Crimson Fox, Wanna Be like it was a lot of B-list characters and when they rebooted the burn era, don't forget, they started Justice League. And that was like Keith Giffen and Demetrius doing it. And it was Batman was the only A-lister right. in the whole Justice League at that point. He And they, he hated the fact that he was in charge of them. And it was kind of like a running joke. Like, who are these Justice Leaguers? And I just think it sucks that the joke kind of lasted into the death of Superman trade, where that was the first line of defense. Um, there's something I want to say about that issue though, but I want you to jump in and see what, and, and, and offer a few comments too. No, 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 fair enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess as far as the, you know, the pre-crisis, yeah, no, I don't, I don't dispute what, what you just said, but I mean, I feel like there were, I, I, again, I mean like some of the more iconic characters, right. That were, that were part of the team then. I mean, like, again, the, the lineup that we get here not, you know, not to put down any of those characters. They, I know they all have their fans, but again, I think in terms of just the effect that it has, it's like it would have meant. I mean, it's still effective in seeing Doomsday dismantle this version of the league. I just think it would have been mm-hmm. more effective, right, to see him take right. down characters who are more yeah. powerful, characters who are, you know, again getting closer in power level to Superman. It just it says more, and I do agree with you. It's like. You know, again, this was the version of the Justice League we had at the time. So if the story began with this Justice League as the first line of defense, great. But even if there had just been one issue where 
any of these other characters tried to step in, especially since we do see them all come to the funeral and mourn Superman. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, yes. That is a very curious choice. And I don't know if the creators have addressed this in interviews since then. I, w- I would be curious to read. Because it's like, yeah, I, I, I do feel like that would have... That would have added something to the story if you saw those those other characters. Now, again, counterpoint, the story, I think, is does do a good job of conveying that this all happens within a, in a very concentrated amount of time. Oh, yeah. Right? Sure. We're in only a yep. matter of hours. So, okay, So, like, one day at least. Maybe one day. Right. Know. So, they all, you know, could have been ocu- otherwise occupied. So, I mean, I think, you know, that's, that's in all fairness, like, we'll keep that in mind. But, um, yeah. yeah, you know, if one of the issues had had shown some of these other characters, like Green Lantern, Wonder yeah. Woman, Flash, trying anything and being taken out, well, I think that would have been, that would have been effective. Or. Or really anybody on this poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you something. Have, you have the funeral for a friend poster behind you, which has basically the entire DCU, you know, coming yeah, out to like, mourn Superman. It should just be at the bottom. It says, where were you guys? That should have been the bottom, the bottom of the poster. Yeah. So, I, you know, the, the, one of my favorite reread moments of this, which I actually didn't remember, is... The, the teenager, Mitch, and his mom and the little baby are in the house. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, the first thing you see happen is either, <clears throat> excuse me, it's either Ice or Guy Gardner gets thrown through their window. Like, they're having a regular, like, teenage kid and his mom argument. Superhero comes flying through the window, just demolishes the living room. Baby's crying. By the end of the issue, house is on fire, demolished. But what I really loved is that the next issue, it's told from the point of the view completely of the teenager. And it's he's telling the story of what just happened and what's happening now and actually like yelling out for Superman, like, please come back. We're going to die in this fire. Don't leave us here. And Superman hears him, but has to ignore the kid. Like, that's very clear. I, I got it. I can hear him, but I got to ignore him. I don't know where he's going next. And he does get back there, I think, somehow. But but still, I thought that was a very interesting choice that let's let's tell it from somebody who had just had their house caved in by Doomsday instead of just a Superman text box. So I have three things to say about Mitch. I'm so glad you brought him up. So, um, you know, number one, going back to what we were saying before, you know, the creators have expressed this feeling that, you know, one of the reasons they wanted to tell the story was that, you know, they felt that fans were not appreciating the character of Superman. So, you know, I think that Mitch, you know, perfectly encapsulates and represents that that attitude, right? So I think that's the the main function Mitch serves in the story. Uh, number two, and this is just a quick side note, but for Superman readers who were there in the late 90s, Mitch comes back as the character Outburst. He becomes a superhero in his own right yep. during the, um, the Superman, the, the King of the World uh, storyline. Um, right before Jeff Loeb and Joe Kelly take over. It's kind of the last hurrah of Dan Jurgens and, and that group of creators. Right. Um, but then the, the, the third and final and probably most important thing I want to say about Mitch, as I've said, right, I originally read The Death of Superman in a vacuum, um, as, as I think a lot of other people did too, whether they were new to comics or they were new to Superman, right? They read The Death of Superman. Obviously, as I've said, I got a lot more out of the reading experience now having read everything that led up to it, but I do still think the story works well on its own. And, you know, I think 
Yeah. I don't think that's an accident, right? I'm sure the creators anticipated that there would be new people reading, sampling the Superman books. So as much as you do have, you know, Bibbo and Emil and and Cadmus and and you know the and, and Lex the Second and Supergirl, they don't overpower the story. And I think it was actually I think it was a smart choice and I think it was a very calculated choice that you know, for a lot of this story, it takes place outside of Metropolis, right? It's this path of destruction, you know, from Ohio, you know, and, and across the country to, uh, you know, moving east um, as, as Doomsday is, is, you know, heading towards Metropolis. And using a character like Mitch, who we don't know, right? You know, that's the thing. We've been talking about this vast supporting cast that's been developed over the preceding years. Mitch is not one of them. Mitch is a new character right. we meet. And I think it works really well because for, you know, a kid like myself reading this for the first time in the 90s, it's like, you know, that was a new character you could kind of, you know, even if you don't, if you, even if you didn't share the views of the character, um, it's still a new character. It's like a way into the story. So I think it was very smart to utilize the supporting cast, which I think in, does enrich the story for longtime readers, but to not overuse the supporting cast such that it alienates new readers. I think it I think yeah. this they really struck a very nice balance. And I think Mitch is kind of a good example of that. Yeah. I would agree. I was I I think I think the connection between uh the the path of destruction was really cool. So we see it very specific, like in a family's household, that we see it where now it's affecting if uh is it what's i forget what the name is it lexmart yeah lexmart he goes uh they're fighting inside the the fake walmart um and even lex that's when supergirl keeps asking lex <laughs> like should i go help i feel like i should go help i'm pretty sure i could help him and Lex is like, no, I need my Supergirl here. I'm like, that's weird. You got to do Bernie. Like, you got to do the Australian accent. And she accent. even gets to a point and she tries to. <laughs> you got to do the Australian oh, accent. Oh, if I need Lex's. my Supergirl here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But it's just kind of odd. And she even goes the financial route and says, you know, Lex, he's, he's kind of destroying one of your stores. Are you sure you don't want me to go help out? And he goes, nah, you know. Oh, I've got plenty of stores. <laughs> so um, there's my crappy Australian accent for all you fans. Um, so, but what's really interesting, so is the scene where he's watching wrestling on the TV. Yeah. That that was where Doomsday stops in the Lexmart, sees like the fake wrestling ad, and I forget what the line is, but it's like, there's going to be destruction and death and, and doomsday loves that. So he go he's maybe like you see him or hear him say Metropolis. And he's like, he wants to go there because there's death and destruction there. And Superman's like, Oh, you gotta be freaking kidding me. So that he's got to follow him to Metropolis. And then, and then all the chaos ensues there. Yeah. You know, I forgot that doomsday kind of, you know, again to say he speaks is probably a little generous but that he at least grunts out yeah. metropolis right? right but also the right. laughter i had i forgotten about the laughter throughout the story when when he, he kills the bird from the very beginning right oh, and, he, and he laughs so messed up yeah. it's really messed up and i had completely forgotten that and i was reading it, it's like oh yeah like there is this uh you know again as much as doomsday is presented as this mindless killing machine he does seem to take delight uh, that he expresses verbally via his yeah. laughter. Uh, so, so there, there was that. Yeah. 
Um, you know, one thing that uh, I'm jumping, you know, kind of towards the end of Death of Super, and we still have to get to funeral, so we still have we still have ground to cover here. But right. um, one thing that has always stood out to me, uh, and, and even more so now in, in Superman seventy five, you know, really towards the end of the battle where uh, Lois is talking to Clark, like as he's fighting. And Clark's like, I have to, like, Doomsday just wants to kill. Like, I have to be every bit as ferocious as Doomsday is. And Lois is like, no, Clark, like, he wants to kill, and you can't. It's like, damn it, woman. It's like, like, look at what we've gone through here. It's like, whatever he needs to do to beat Doomsday is fine. (laughs) Like, come on. Yeah, do you want to... You want to go help mop the puddle up of that construction worker and say that again? Like, like, no, go sit down and shut up. I got to go kill this guy. Yeah. Like, I you mean, don't kill. Like, yeah. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't the, um, uh, you know, the, the John Byrne Supergirl storyline where he's coldly right. executing three yeah. powerless criminals. I mean, this is a fight to the finish here. Um, I, yeah. That just always stood out to me. And especially as I'm reading it now, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know that that was the right advice in in that specific moment. <laughs> yeah, a very weird choice to then remind Superman, like, "Hey, don't forget, you can't kill. You don't like killing people." Like, no, no, this guy needs to die. He's he's already killed. Hunt. I think. I think at one point it says he's killed hundreds of people so far. Yeah, I mean, again, going back to the realism of this, I think in terms of the death count, in terms of the destruction, which again mm-hmm. is not wiped away. I mean, for months and months to come, you know, there's. You know, Metropolis is in is in shambles, and you know there are people, including Clark, right? You know, as far as the world at large knows, but actual people yeah. who are, who are trapped underneath, and and I think the stories do a good job of showing the, you know, the actual ramifications. And I mean, sadly, but you know, in a real world parallel, again, you know, reading this as a kid in the '90s, you know, it it, it meant something, but now having you know having lived through something like 9/11, and you know, knowing what you know what it's like when you see you know a a catastrophe of that scale it's like yeah again i think the story did a good job of showing the you know the 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 direct a very tangible consequences of a battle like this and and i'm glad that this that the stories you know really did did take the time to show that and not gloss over it you know can i ask you in your recent reading of all the issues leading to this point can you remember a point where superman bled Oh, where he bled? Like when he, act- no, you know, like I, yeah, I know. I mean, that struck me when I, yeah, every time I read it, that strikes me every single time. I was like, oh, he just got cut by Doomsday's like bones coming out, and and it, and they bring it up, and I could not remember like when was the last time you see Superman bleed? Yeah, and you know, audience members, if there's something that's not coming to my mind that comes to yours, you know, please feel free to reach yeah. out. But yeah, there's nothing that comes to mind, you know. Scott and I talked about this in in prior episodes. You know, we see the cape. The cape gets tattered a lot. And, you know, I think that's a, you know, a, a very efficient and effective, you know, visual cue for the reader that like, oh, it's a tough battle, right? Like his his cape has been damaged. But rarely is the actual right. costume damaged. That does happen sometimes, yeah. but rarely. Um, but in this story, it's like it's the cape, it's the costume, and then it's his body. We, we really do go yeah. further than we've gone before. And again, you know, just all these, all these cues, visual and otherwise that are really like letting us know this we're in, we're in new territory here. So yeah, I think that's a great point. He's bruised. He got, you see like bruise marks on him, like not just cuts, but like, 
And like I, I was thinking back, like I don't know if I've ever seen a bruise on him. That's that. That's the. That's what they're trying to get across at this. Like you said, you've never seen anything like this before, and that's that's what can kill a Superman. Yeah, um, I, I guess I have a couple more observations about the the very end of this. But is there anything else about the death of Superman generally, or or before we get to the end of the death of Superman that you wanted to talk about that we haven't yet? Mm-hmm. Oh, um. If you love this story, uh, I think this year they released a, a series called Tales of the Dark Multiverse because there's been all this stuff going on with like, um, uh, what is it called? It's not heavy metal. Dark death metal, metal, death metal. There's yeah, all yeah. different dark metal, death metal. There's a lot of Elseworlds stuff coming out. And they have like a character that's kind of like Marvel's Watcher that is going through this dark multiverse. And one of the issues is on the death of Superman and it, and it, it goes up to where Superman does die, but then Lois takes a very interesting turn um, after his death. So it's, it's worth the read for anybody interested out there and you could probably still pick it up on racks or talk to your comic shop. It's worth it. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I was not, um, yeah, I was cool. not familiar with that, but that's, that, that's cool. Um, yeah. Was there anything else before, before we kind of get to the um, end here? No, no, pr- I mean, no pressure. Just, I just want to. I just want to give you the opportunity in case, in case there was. I don't no, know. yeah, yeah. I, I think I covered. Oh, okay. It's it's. This is more of an Anthony fun thing than like a <laughs> Death Superman. And I got reminded by your um, Smallville action figure on top of your shelf. Did you catch the red and blue blur line? Oh yeah, I, I can't. I can't pinpoint it specifically, but I yeah, I do remember. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I read it. And because I know you and I know that I'm going to talk to you, I was like, did you see that red and blue blur? And I was like, oh, it's the blur. It's the blur. That's where it came from. Yes. <laughs> so I wonder if somebody's reading it going or, or writing it going like, oh, we, we should call them that in Smallville. That'd be really, that'd be smart. There's this, when we get to funeral That's for a the- friend, there's something uh, th- that made me think of Smallville and I'll, I'll definitely bring it up. Um, you know, in the Justice League issue, that's very early on in the death of Superman. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting the way that that issue unfolds um, because for most of the issue, as the Justice League is doing battle against Doomsday and faring very poorly, Superman is being interviewed by Cat Grant on live television. And, oh, right. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, this it's very on the nose, but I still thought it worked well where, you know, Cat asks Superman, like, has he ever been afraid and, you know, he talks about oh, being yeah. afraid for other people, but he also admits, like, sometimes I'm afraid for myself. And, and again, it's like, you know, reading it within the context of the death of Superman, it's like, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's a little ham-fisted, but I don't, yeah. and now having just read all these stories, you know, I don't, I don't know, right? nothing immediately comes to mind. I can't think of other instances where Clark has explicitly articulated that level of fear for himself, right? Like I'm afraid sometimes right. that I might not survive this. And so um, I just thought it was it was nice to kind of have that moment right before all of this. And, and just a reminder of like, yes, for as powerful as he is, he is a, a man at the, you know, at the end of the day, he, you know, he's brought up as a man and, and you know, the same fears about our, our mortality that we all have. It's like, he has them too. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah. a different level. Right. But they're still there. I appreciated that moment. I thought that was cool. I did like it. He says, he says fear is part of the job. That was the line that he used. He goes, you know, fear is part of the job. 
And it's funny, Anthony, like this is, I feel like we each have things in our Superman uh, universe that stick with us. And I always go back to the Justice League Unlimited where Superman says he lives in a world of cardboard. Yeah. And I think, I think his fear is also that he'll lose control. And, and don't forget leading up to this book, he's lost control a number of times yeah. for various reasons, whether it's the eradicator or a mental break. And I think that's also a very vulnerable side of what he's saying in the interview. Like, I'm not just afraid of monsters and villains, but fear is part of being a hero. Like, am I going to go too far? Am I going to hurt somebody when I'm stopping a crime because I have super strength? So it, it is a very interesting, vulnerable moment. Like you said, I liked it a lot. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, you know, as we get to the to the end of the death of Superman, you know, and we'll talk more about the Kents after our commercial break, and we and we talk more about the funeral. But uh, you know, watching the Kents watch their son on television, you know that that really uh, you know packed a punch. And when we get to our final montage at the end of the of Superman seventy five, where we see various people reacting to the death, and you know, you see Jonathan and Martha holding each other as as their son is dead on their television screen. I mean, it's it's very impactful. Um, uh, you know, as we discussed earlier, I really do think that the decreasing panel per page structure really did add a lot to the story. And especially in Superman 75, all those splash pages, um, mm -hmm. it just, it really just had this epic scope to it. And, you know, when the dialogue and the thought bubbles finally stop and the captions take yeah. over. It's as if they're like it's as if the music is swelling now here too, and you know we get the yeah. comparison of Superman and Doomsday to you know weary boxers or weary fighters who have gone the distance, and you know the the iconic image of the two of them locked in those final blows as as they you know as they as they both deliver, um, you know the, those final punches, uh, you know again just all these all these years later, I mean it's just really um, it, it it just sticks with you. I mean beautiful art and just iconic uh imagery um I, I, again i don't i don't have and i don't there's not much more analysis to add i just felt like it just really right. um it, it, it just told the story in a in a really uh in a really powerful way and you know we get to you know that final spread which in the original comic and the original trade uh you know unfolds right you literally unfold the page mm -hmm. and you see superman sprawled out in subsequent printings they just kind of did like you turn the page, it's a different double page spread, but originally, right? Like you unfold it. Unfolded it, yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's just Superman, you know, Doomsday's down, right? And and again, of course, I know readers know this, but you know, Superman's final words, he's just like, Doomsday, is he, you know, is he, he just wants to know that he he did what he needed to do and he right. stopped Doomsday. Um, this is, this is of course different than the, the recent animated adaptation, which I think gave him more, um, you know, definitely more tear-inducing final words as he's talking to Lois about. Uh, I, I believe the line is like, "Hey, you know, how lucky was I? You know that I that I got to love you, or something. You know, something to that effect." Right. Um, you know, we don't go there here. In fact, I actually think the comic is more really more realistic. You yeah. know, I think the animated movie gives us more of that like movie moment. I think the comic right. is really kind of like how it would actually play out. Yeah, you won't have. He wouldn't have had that time. He he was dying. That was it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of art museums. So when I go, I appreciate I'm like, Oh, that's neat. And I move on. 
But I tell you, I, as I was do, re reading this, I I scoured over 75. Like I went back forth a number of times. I read the last six pages like at least five times. It's like, oh my gosh, look at that. Look at the detail in this. Look at the splash on this. Look at look at how they have him laying even. Like just he was defeated. Yeah. It wasn't like he was placed nicely. It was he was just broken. And that's that that added again a very realistic what would happen if you got just beaten to death, basically, and you're just there and your loved one is holding you saying goodbye. And I think I scoured that, like absorbing that more as an adult than I think I ever did when I first read it when I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I get that totally. I, I think, I, you know, again, like reading that wizard issue and, and seeing some of the the criticisms of, of the story and, and, and recognizing, you know, I don't, you know, I, I can't say for sure exactly how the story is sort of viewed generally, you know, as with anything, you know, you, you, you get a mix and, but I do think that, again, I don't want to paint with a, a kind of a, a broad stroke here, but I think for the, for kind of critics of the story, I think a lot of times it might come down to the effect that it had, the fact that then all of these other characters went through some version of death and return, Right. Right. And or the effect the effect that it had, um, you know, on on the industry. Right. You know, there were so many people who bought copies of the death of Superman thinking they would send their kids to college. Right. And, it, you know, and so I think there's a lot I think there's a lot mixed up in the death of Superman. And I think sometimes right. and this is just my own my own sense and my own speculation. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but I feel like sometimes some of the maybe the negative sentiment towards this is is kind of mixed up a little bit more in in that aspect. And that's not to say everyone has to love the story. You can have perfectly valid criticisms of it. That's perfectly fine. And I recognize although you know it's funny because I was going to say that it's like, yeah, of course I love the story. It was my entry point, but I honestly, I really was reading this or trying to read it as objectively and critically as possible. Same. You know, honestly, and I really feel like it holds up. And with the exception of that Justice League lineup, I really feel like <laughs> yeah right i think i think that there's there are i don't know okay how can i say this well i think there are true fans who will look at it and and really pick it apart and go yeah you know what this is why i appreciate it i think that there are some folks that are, will be nostalgic and go oh that was cool they don't do a deep dive again they just put it on the shelf kind of idea but I think there's also a number of people that thought it was a publicity stunt. And I think that's why they treated it. And don't forget, Wizard is, while it's a comics magazine, it's still an opinion-based magazine. It's, mm -hmm. it's, they're, they're, they're trying to sell issues just like Superman's trying to sell issues. So they're going to have controversy. They want to get different opinions. You know, everybody's got an opinion. But I, I think the true fans that have stuck with it over the decades too can see why it's important both before during and after the death and not just an event itself like you said earlier and and i think especially for those who were readers at the time and now i can say i'm you know kind of in that category right like now having read the yep. stories that led up to it i really think that um and, and, you know, maybe there were people who had been reading and they were turned off by this. But I think if you were reading, I think this was a very satisfying 
story, yeah. you know, for all the reasons that we've, that we've talked about. So man, I've enjoyed this. And of course we'll continue talking about, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep jumping back to the death over the rest of this episode and, and the one to come. Right. But um, if, if you're good, let's take a commercial break and then we'll come back and we'll yeah. dive into uh funeral for a friend. Yeah. Yeah. No worries, man. Let's all right. We'll be right back. Shadadigans is a weekly podcast by dads sharing their fairly new dad experiences and also just talking about whatever. Listen, relate, and laugh. I was a guest on episode 90, and it was a blast. One of the hosts is a multiple guest of this show, Justin DeVoe. To follow Justin's fitness and cosplay journey, follow him on Instagram at Lobo. And if you're interested in starting or continuing your own fitness journey, check out Iron and Honor on Instagram. If you enjoy this show, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I also hope you'll consider joining my Patreon community. The support of my patrons enables me to produce this podcast, and patrons get rewards too, including exclusive episodes, advanced listens, and more. Sign up today and get instant access to the back catalog. Visit patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. Thank you to all of my patrons. I truly appreciate your support. And we're back. All right. So now we turn our attention to funeral for a friend, which, you know, again, as we've talked about, like there was a lot going on in the death of Superman, but funeral is just really emotionally resonant. And it, it, especially for people who had been following the books, I mean, I think this gave you all of the moments that you would want to see as far as you know, Superman's, uh, you know, friends and allies and loved ones mourning him. That was a highly effective story. I so appreciated that part one of Funeral for a Friend began literally moments after his death as they're trying to revive him. I feel like it would have been so easy to have a a time jump of, of of any amount. And I really appreciated, though, that they stayed, that we stayed in that moment I feel like, again, for people who like dropped in just for the death of Superman event, like whatever, but for people who were following it, it just felt, it felt very fitting that we continue to stay in that moment there. What did you think about how it, how it started? You know, I love that because I mean, the, the first page is them trying to resuscitate him and I like, that's what should happen. I mean, it, we need to think of this. I mean, the way I see death, funeral, rain and return it is very much like the old flash gordon buck rogers 30s serial like it just go it's it is one long story they tacked on the superman doomsday stuff in the collection because that's important to have like the backstory but really volumes one through four is in real time back to back all the way through and i love that i think that's why people struggle because they say why isn't there a good adaptation like live movie? Well, because you need four movies that would take it all the way through the way you'd want it to be depicted. I I feel blessed that we actually have the death and and rain cartoons because I think they actually did it really well. So I I'm with you. I forgot about that and I was like, oh, I was so sad by the death. And then it's like, oh, they got paddles out and they're like clear and they're trying to to get them going, but then. Wasn't it Guardian or somebody had to hold the paddles to try to, they had the force. Oh no, Bibbo. Bibbo. It's Bibbo. It's Bibbo. It's so sad. And he's like, I'll do it for my main man. And he sits down and it's like, oh my God. 
so well so two things one i agree with you and you know the the adaptations i mean that's really it's its own conversation and, and like i said we'll do that patreon episode on, yeah, on sure. the, the new animated adaptations but i mean it's true i think anytime we see other media try to adapt this it, you it's very difficult and i think that's why i think these recent animated movies did a really great job but it took them two movies you know, one of DC's first direct-to-DVD animated adaptations was Superman Doomsday, and they tried to cram all of this into 75 oh. minutes. Yeah. And they stripped away the, the Justice League and, and a lot of the supporting cast, and they stripped away the four replacement Superman. They stripped it down to one. And mm -hmm. it just, it didn't, it didn't work. It's tough. I mean, I think, to, you know, exactly to your point, like, this story works when you have these four Superman titles working in unison, telling yeah. this weekly Superman adventure in real time over a year. Yeah. You know, so, I, uh, so there's really something to be said for that. I think that every Superman fan has like dreamed of like the panel by panel depiction in some, <laughs> some form of visual media that like an actor is doing it. But like the next best, the best thing that I got to do was, I had two daughters that loved to play with action figures. So we would basically recreate Doomsday fighting Superman in the Justice League and we would play on their floor and, and they would fight and hit each other at the same time and, and I would tell them the story and then we would recreate the story together with my with my five and nine eight year old kids, you know. And but like I think we always dream like how can we see it the way we want to see it, the way it was on the book. Well, we gotta read the trade, that's all we get. But it's it's epic, man. It's that's why we're talking about it. It it really is. I mean, that's beautiful, though. That you had that that moment with them. Um, I, I wanted the other thing I wanted to mention was about Bibbo. You know, Bibbo Bibbo broke my heart a few times in the story. Yeah. You know, when he uses the, uh, the 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 defibrillator pads on Superman, um, and he's using a force field that Emil Hamilton created, and and they're yep. you know they're channeling energy from one of the like laser cannons from one of the Cadmus yeah. soldiers yeah. right through this machine into the paddles. Hence the need for the force field. But, you know, Bibbo says it's like, if anything goes wrong, like, no one's going to miss a pug like me. And, you know, that 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 really gets you. And, you know, later on in the story, much like, you know, much like Jesus, when the, you know, the merchants were peddling their wares right at, at the temple oh, and he flipped over I the tables. You Thank know, you. I love this scene. You know, where you have this citizen, you know, selling, you know, Death of Superman merchandise. And, you know, Bibbo stops him, but I thought what was so powerful about that scene is, and again, going back to what I was saying before about how Superman for these characters and for us, the reader really becomes this ideal, you know, Bibbo's like, you know, Superman wouldn't smack this guy around. So like, let me find another way. And Bibbo fresh off of winning the lottery as has been depicted in the, in the yeah. prior issues, he's like, I'll buy everything you have. Cause the guy to his credit, the guy is like, you know, I'm listen, like I'm out of work. I'm just trying to feed my family. And Bibbo's like, I'll buy everything. Like put this stuff away. Um, and I just now, thought it was really, really powerful. There's one line. There's one line. I think also that if you remember the guy took it one step forward, he lost his job, but then like he literally just said everything I had, like it with the destruction. Yeah. Like going on, this is, this is all I can do right now. So Bibble offers him a job. He doesn't just buy all the merch. He says, you know what? Come by the Ace of Clubs and I'll make sure mm -hmm. I can take care of you. Bib like this is what I'm talking about, Anthony. So like you don't need superheroes or superpowers to be Superman. 
Bibbo, Bibbo is exactly what proves that point. He doesn't have super strength. I mean, he's he's jacked, but he, he lucked out and won the lottery, but he's paying it forward because that's what a Superman does. And that's Bibbo always grabbed at my heartstrings every single time I see that guy in the comics. I miss him. I wish he was back. Yeah, it's uh it, again it's it's you know, he's he's not a man of uh, you know, great intelligence but you know he's got he's got the the heart you know he's he's got the heart and um you know there's another scene where he's where bibbo prays for for superman and you know he he Mm -hmm. says a hail mary and at the end he's like you know god look why like why would you take someone like superman and a washed up you know roughneck like me keeps going like it just it's not fair And again, there's just such a, a purity of spirit of, of Bibbo, uh, you know, a simpleness and a, and a purity to the character. And, you know, he, you know, he represents, I mean, for, for us reading the stories, I mean, he very much represents suicide slum. Like he represents an entire part right. of, of Metropolis. And so, yeah. I, you know, I always enjoy, um, you know, I always enjoy his scenes and, and yeah, you're right. It's not just it's not just buying up everything that that guy has. It's, it's going that step further and, and offering him the job. And, and, and again, you, you know, you see numerous instances of that, um, like at the funeral, um, Keith, the young boy from the orphanage who Superman has now oh. saved on a couple of occasions. Yeah. Um, and he'll, he'll play a large role in the books moving forward. He ultimately is adopted by, by Perry and Alice. And, you know, we'll get to that in the future, but um, you know, he sees someone being picked on at the funeral. And, and for those of us who've been reading the books, that was actually the, the, the family that lived next door to Clark, the abusive husband and wife. And, and we talked right. about that in the prior episode, but, you know, Keith sees this little brother getting, getting picked on and he's like, you know, Superman wouldn't stand for this. Like you don't, you don't mm-hmm. use, you know, you don't pick on someone smaller than you. And, and he, you know, he steps up and there's the great Metropolis mailbag two episode uh, or issue. Um, you know, a, a year prior in the books, right? Like we had this great issue where we got to see this tradition that Superman carries on where he goes to the post office and he reads through letters that have been sent uh, to Superman and he tries to help who, whoever he can, right? And he has to, you know, a lot of them are, you know, you know, people asking for, um, you know, trying to make money off of him or, you know, things like that. And he kind of has to sift, sift through it and see where he can actually help. And so in the funeral, funeral for a friend storyline, you have the Justice League stepping in and doing that for him, like trying to, again, like follow this example that he set. And so, you know, those are just a few examples of that. But I think throughout the storyline, you know, you see that. And I, and I think that's, you know, the, the grief aspect, I think, is always going to kind of tug at the heartstrings and we're going to really feel yeah. something because it's, it's just so, um, you know, it's, it's right there and it's very raw. But I think these these examples of people trying to follow in the footsteps of Superman and live up to his example, I, I think that's the real strength of Funeral for a Friend. Well, and I think I think that's why this has stuck with us and so many people for so long because comics sometimes forget that their characters are fantasy, but many times set in a real world setting. So what? What would really happen if a Superman died? How would we be affected as the general man? And honestly, how would his friends feel? Um, I, I really appreciate the real world aspect of what Funeral for a Friend does. I would have been very frustrated if it went from death of Superman directly to reign yeah. of the Superman. Because that would be a very 
entertainment comic-y thing to do, but I do feel DC took a healthy risk and say, no, we owe the character who's been around for now 60 years. Let's, let's honor him in a way that we would our own family member, which he is in the DC comics universe. So I, I loved how real it felt, you know, and, and I'm sure we're going to go into each character, but should we, should we transition to kind of Lois and how she deals with it? Absolutely. And I'll toss it to you first. The last thing I want to say just to, to, to close that loop is, you know, we, they don't get a ton of play in these issues, but we do see that there's this cult of Superman that emerges, right? And they're worshiping yeah. at, at the memorial in, in Centennial Park. And, you know, in, in a prior episode of this podcast, you know, we talked about the like the religious implications of of what it would be like if a Superman existed. And, you know, exactly to your point, it's like, I, I think this, this story really did do a great job of showing a realistic depiction of what would happen if there were a Superman and if a Superman died. Yeah. And yeah 100% people would put on a Superman robe and oh, wait yeah. for his resurrection. So I, I feel like oh, that's, yeah. you know, again, one small example, but, but perfectly represents again, the realism of this story. And, and the fact that they took these issues to lay this all out. I, yeah. You know, I know that's the, that's the thing. It's like, when you look back at this, the fact that we're still talking about it, the fact that it continues to be adapted in movies and yep. cartoons and things like that. And, you know, it, it's had this staying power and yeah, not to put too fine a point on it, but I, if not for the funeral for a friend aspect of this, I don't, I don't yep. know. I don't know if it has quite the legacy. I think this is yep. really kind of, if you don't have this, the rest of it kind of falls away. Um, and yeah. in any event, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Do you want to, I'll let you, you, why don't you kick it off first on, uh, on, on Lois's part in this? So th it's funny, like there's there's no reason why I would forget this as a Superman fan, knowing that Superman and Clark Kent are the same people. But you do get to that point where you're going, oh my gosh, Lois is mourning two deaths. So she's mourning who Superman is and was to her. And, and also the realization that her soon-to-be husband has just died. And now... How do we explain this to the world and dealing with that? And and let's forget how do we explain it to the world. She has to get the strength to call the Kents. And, and you see over the course of issues that she is stalling and stalling and she doesn't really know what to say. She says that. I don't know what to say to the Kents. And then she finally does and she's crying and they're crying and they're and they're trying to console her, which is again another testament to why we need the Kents. They are just as giving and graceful as Superman was in life as, as he is in death. Yeah. You know, Lois and the Kents, you know, break your heart numerous times over in this story. Yeah. Um, you know, Lois, you know, for the reasons you said, and, and also for the guilt, you know, that she feels and it's, it's an unreasonable guilt, right? It's like, well, what could she have done? Um, but she still feels this guilt that it's like, all she could do is report on this yeah. as their son was being killed and you know again it, it, it you know it really it, it breaks your heart and and like you said it's that she's mourning two people but the world doesn't know that and it, it's just right. it's like it, 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 you know when every character keeps telling her like oh i think they'll find, you know don't worry like they'll probably find clark right the cover story <laughs> is that he's like lost in the rubble with with the other citizens and it's like of course she knows uh. That's not the case. And like, she has to, you know, put on this front and, right. you know, you so feel for the character. 
in the first part of Funeral for a Friend where, you know, the SCU and Cadmus and everyone's ready to just kind of like oh write Superman off. And yeah. you feel her frustration where she just like explodes and she's like, we owe this man more. Like we have to try, like we have to try to do something to revive him. Uh, again, like it just, it comes through and you feel it. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the Kents. Um, again, where, where I, uh, where I teared up the most in, in rereading this, uh, really were, were most of the scenes with the Kents. Um, you know, where, when they're watching their son die and, and and then just dealing with the aftermath, not being able to have his body, not being able to be there at the funeral. Um, yeah. You know, one one moment that, um, you know, it, it, it was sad, but also uplifting was, you know, it's, you know, they, they talk about, you know, their their parents now who have lost a child, like that, what what reason do they have, right, to, 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 to be? And then Lois finally calls and they, they yeah. sense immediately how much, she needs them and that gives yeah. them a renewed sense of purpose and they're like we'll be on the next flight to metropolis and it just gives you know reinvigorates them just that little bit i mean of course they're still devastated but it's like no someone still needs them they still have a role and uh and yeah that was that was a real standout moment there's there's some cool parallels because i want to say i'm trying to think that when this was still happening lois and clark the tv show was still on no, and it hadn't started yet. No, I'm pretty sure. I thought it, it was, was. 93. No, because I'm I'm almost positive because I've been mapping this out. And unless I've <laughs> like completely blew it, um, I believe that it, because it premiered, I want to say it was like the fall of 93, which was as Reign of the Superman was ending. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that means, that means Lois and Clark did a really good job because as you watch the show, I mean, the Kents lived in Metropolis. But when bad things happened or when they could get a sense that something was wrong, you Mon Pa Kent would show up at Clark's door. Yeah. Or show up at Lois's door. And there's such a cool thing there where like they're not even married yet. And possibly not gonna get married because he's dead. We like they don't know he's gonna come back. But to treat her still like you're gonna be our daughter, we're gonna treat you like you are our daughter. And that was so cool. Now I, we keep going back and poor poor listeners are going to hear us like broken records but the reason the kents are important is lines like this that i wrote down so there's a flashback that pa is having with a moment with clark and clark says to his dad you're the one who taught me how to care and i was like oh my god like if we can't make it more clear that pa kent is the reason superman is who he is it's that right there. The reason he puts himself in front of Metropolis, the reason he stops Doomsday, the reason he gets up and puts the cape on every morning is, Pa, you told me how to care for people, and I'm just doing that as a Kryptonian. That's that's all I can do. Oh, my gosh. Like, again, this is why we go back to the story 30 years later. 30 years, man. It's almost so far. But, yeah, I get I get gushy over it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, the I, the the Kents more than anything, and you know I know for people who've been following this podcast, I know I talk about it a lot, but yeah, it's the yep. fundamental truth of my life that you know being a dad has really changed, and I know, and you're a dad, you know, it's yep. it just changes the way you look at these things, and so it's like I go back and I rewatch the stuff and I reread this stuff, and it, I just it hits me in a different way, and you know when the Kents you know have their their burial ceremony, you know out out on the uh, in the field where they found Clark. 
and you know it's it's all that they're able to do right because they can't be at the at the official you know uh, funeral but you know they do what they can and they bury some of clark's mementos but then in in you know one of the subsequent issues where you know pa now is nearing his heart attack right and he's having these flashes of of these moments with with clark and you know ma finds him out in the field and and um you know he just kind of collapses it to his knees and he's like you know when we found him he was so helpless and you know i, I promised i would uh i would protect him and keep yeah. him safe and i and i'm getting choked up here and he's like well, you know, it's and true I, and, I, and i failed you know and it's like yeah. what what scenario is is a worse nightmare for a parent than than what he's right. what they're experiencing in that moment and you know i pray that we never have to deal with something like that in our lives you know but you look at your own kids and he, you can't help but feel guilt. Like, what did I miss something? I should have done something. And you know, and whether whether you go to the Zack Snyder, Kevin Costner, or you go to the John Schneider, Jonathan Kent, they always had this sense of guilt of like, maybe I shouldn't have told you to be a hero. Maybe I shouldn't have given you permission to do that and said, no, like, please stay at home. I'm worried for you. I'm worried for like, this is going to make your life worse than it could be, even with these powers. And again, like the grief and the guilt, who wouldn't have a heart attack at that age Yeah, and be rushed to the hospital suddenly, whether you're 35, 45 or Pa Kent. So again, like this is drama to its finest and we need funeral for a friend. If you think about it, the funeral is longer than the death. Yes. I think it's nine issues. I think something I think it's something like that. I think it's well, but yeah, it's I think it's like long. technically eight, but then you have Adventures five hundred, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's def- yeah, it is long. Yeah, and I don't think that's right. I think that's not an accident and you need that no. that room for it. And I'm so glad you mentioned the, the guilt, right? Because it, yeah, it's not just the grief, it is oh. that guilt. And you know, Pa relives that moment where Clark comes to the farm after he makes his first public save right from man of steel number one and you know pause the one like who comes up with this idea of having a dual identity and and it's like yeah in the in the moment right it sounded like the right path and but now you look at it and it's like exactly like you said it's like i set him on this on this path and he you know the 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 guilt of that pause playing head games with himself like i sent my daughter out to college you know nine hours away just praying she's safe and doing and she's talking to me every few days but like yeah, you don't. You never think anything bad could happen because you want the best for your kids, and that's what Pa Kent was saying. You have these gifts, go use them with the world. Like show grace to the people that need it. That's the that's the thing. Um, but man, should like when do you want to jump into Jonathan dying, so to speak? Uh, and well, let's get into that now because I, I, you know, again, the 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 Pa stuff stood out to me more than more than almost anything, anything else. else. Yeah, pretty you much. Know? Yeah, and. Actually, though, before I talk more about Pa, a shout out to Ma Kent, because on top of losing her son, now she's faced with the prospect of losing her husband. And, you know, when Jonathan is flatlining and she's like, don't leave me too. I mean, it's again, I know for all of us, myself included, and I know I talk more about Pa because that's who I identify with more. But, uh, you know, Ma's there too. And it's like the the, the notion of her losing her son and then her husband immediately thereafter. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it, it guts you, but, um, yeah, I want to talk about amazing, uh, amazing, we're <laughs> in Spider-Man territory, adventures, five, <laughs> adventures, 500, uh, Jerry, I'm or- sure there would have been, 
if there was a sixth week of the month, I'm sure we would have had Amazing Superman at some point. That's true. <laughs> That's true. They ran out of titles. Superman Man of Tomorrow, Amazing Superman. <laughs> it is 100% true. Uh, but, you know, Adventures 500, which was Jerry Ordway's final issue on the title, this is a perfect example. Actually, this might be the best example of an issue that, you know, when I read it as a kid, and at this point now, yeah. right, I, I was reading on my own. My dad had read me the, yep. the death, and then I started reading, like, very shortly thereafter. So I was reading funeral right. on my own. And when I read Adventures 500 as a kid, I don't know that it really resonated with me much. I don't know how it could <laughs> right. have and, no, and you know what's funny? I was it, very recently. I was telling my, I was talking to my mother recently, and I, I was like, you know, I'm going to be talking about the death of Superman on on my podcast. I was like, what conception of death did I even have at five? And she, right. I, because, and I, I always wonder about that because it's like, yeah, the death of Superman. It's like, what did I even think death was? And I, and I asked her, and she right. didn't really remember like a hundred percent she was like yeah i think we had talked about you know like people die and then they're you know they're they're gone you know like a very yeah. very like broad level general thing and so yeah uh so again i don't know how much i really got out of it as a kid and also you know it features appearances by um by cleric and kismet mm -hmm. and blaze mm -hmm. like all these characters who now <laughs> Yeah. Finally, I know yeah. who all these people are. <laughs> uh, so I'm reading it, and I'm like, "This is great!" It's, like, it's oh, like yeah. all these callbacks. But at the time, it's like I was probably lost. Yeah, you're like you're some poor five or six year old kid. Like, who's that lady made of stars? <laughs> and it's like, now it's like, oh, it's Kismet. <laughs> like, oh, that's Blaze. She killed freaking Jerry White. Nice job. Like, I, yeah. yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess, but it's, <laughs> I love, 500. I, I, I was really happy to read that again. Um, I, I know this sounds so silly, but like, I, I'm gonna, after this podcast this weekend, I'm going to take out my, the, the old issues. I'm not going to necessarily go through them, but I just, the cover art's so good. And you know what I'm talking about. There's something about just holding the book, like whether it's, carefully holding the book <laughs> or looking at it through a bag and a board but man like i have the you know the 500 where there's like the the plastic over it that you peel away and it's superman reaching out to pa's hand and all that kind of stuff i yeah I, this was a big deal and it's a 500 issue it's a big deal it was a milestone I, you know in that oral history they talked about how originally the plan was, of course, for Superman to die in 75, but then to come back in 500. And then after they saw the oh. response to the death, they decided to expand the storyline. And they had an emergency super summit in Tarrytown, New York, in Westchester, uh, just very, very close to where I grew up, uh, yep. which which I thought was was, was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, Adventures was was this milestone and where 70, Superman 75 had the black bag, right? This had the white yep. bag. Um, what a couple of things that I really liked about it. One was, um, you know, I guess depending on your belief system, it's like you know you can look at the story as just this kind of like hallucination that Jonathan has, or you can take it right. more literally that he's actually encountering his son in the afterlife. And I think it works either yeah. way. But again, man, as a as a dad, oh, Oof. this one really did a number on me because I'm I'm reading Same. it and it's like. You know, just like that Eradicator story I talked about before, you know, there it was in the real world, not the afterlife, but it's like the Kents right. went and they got their son and they set him straight. 
And, you know, similarly here too, it's like in the afterlife, like Jonathan, he, he gets, he gets his son and, you know, there's that moment where, you know, they're both going to fight their way back and there's this portal and they don't know exactly where it leads. And, you know, Jonathan is confident that it will lead them back to the land of the living. And Clark's like, you know, let me go first. And Jonathan's like, you know, just, just trust me. Like, we'll do this together. And, you know, as we, as we ultimately know, right, it's the right choice, but, um, it, man, it just, it really got me. And you know, the other thing, this is, this is a Smallville connection and maybe you'll appreciate this as well. I know I, I talk about, I've talked about this scene a number of times on this podcast, but it's one of my favorites from the series finale Oh yeah, where ghost Jonathan is, is giving Clark the yep. final guidance before Clark faces dark side. And Jonathan's like, you know, my guidance just isn't enough. You're going to have to trust Jor-El. And you know, that's yeah. such a huge moment for the show because there was all this tension between the human and the Kryptonian Jor-El and Jonathan. And there's this moment in Adventures 500 where, you know, Jonathan is like, you're probably only, and it's a, like, it's a little heady, but he's like, you know, you're really, you're probably only here because of the, the faith we brought you up in and this conception of your mortality. It's like, you're not human. You don't have, cause you know, Clark in the afterlife is like, well, this is my, it's my time. Jonathan's like, it doesn't have to be. He's like, I need you to not think like an earthling. And it just made me think of that final guidance from Smallville, where it's like there's this other side of you, and you need to embrace that now, and that's going to be your salvation. I love how you have to say to me, "I think you'll appreciate this." <laughs> oh, <laughs> I named my daughter Lana. <laughs> I love, I love how that's even a question. Like, oh, you know, Bernie, you'll probably like this. <laughs> At least I wasn't like, at least I wasn't like Bernie. You know, there was a television show. It was called Smallville. Yeah. Did it run for five or 10 years? Yeah. I mean, the only reason our daughter's not named Lois is because that just was like a little too old timey to have a kid born in 2006 with a name like Lois. (laughs) I mean, we had a plan. If our kid was a boy, Lana would have been Caleb Elliott. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Very nice. So, and it was me, Caleb with a K. Like, and I have friends that did it, and I was pissed. I was like, ah, oh, they got to do it. <laughs> like, they have Kal-El. <laughs> it's not okay. But you know what? We have Lana, and she's got the Lana action figure in the case on her on her on her wall. And that's awesome. she watched all ten seasons. God love her with me, <laughs> Smallville, and she still loves that series finale. That's one of her favorite episodes. Yeah. That was even though we, even though we only saw Superman in digital imaging, but you know, it's, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Always hold on to Smallville, Anthony. It's okay. Always, always hold, hold on, on to Smallville. Smallville. I think. Look, uh, a very quick tangent. I think that's. I think yeah. that's the strength Imagine. of the, I think that's the strength of the show and the series finale. That it's like, yeah. yeah, the execution, the fact that we only saw Clark as Superman via CGI was. A major frustration, but it's like there were plenty of uh, there were enough moments that really brought his arc full circle and brought him where he needed to be in terms of that personal development that, you know, I look back on it and it's like you can't you can't think of the finale and not think of the CGI. But at the same time, (laughs) it's not enough. It's not enough to make me look on the finale unfavorably. I still love it so much. And sorry, fans, not to extend a tangent, but like. My 14-year-old daughter, who has watched all 10 seasons, 
has seen all the Christopher Reeve movies, has watched Superman and Lois the entire first season, and has even watched episodes of Lois and Clark with me, still thinks Erica Durant is the best Lois Lane. Like she says, she is the spunk and like fire that is Lois Lane. I was like, and this is why you're my kid. <laughs> Good. Very, well, you're raising her right. She is, Eric, I mean, she is the best Lois Lane. She, oh, I mean, yeah. she just is. Yep. And she's, yeah, she's, she's easy to look at too. <laughs> I think she just had, I think she had the best combination of the qualities oh, that yeah. you would want in Lois. I don't know that any of the others have had like all of the qualities like in that combination. I think Terry Hatcher was a very, very close second for me. I would say so too. I it, I mean, I'm sure you do this too. And I'm sure readers have done this, but as we look at like major story arcs, like what actors you would put in the death of Superman movie for yourself, you know, like who would play Superman, who would play Lois, who would, you know, that kind of stuff. I, and I, I mean, I can see Erica doing, doing Lois really well. It's kind of cool. Yeah. No, for sure. All right. So, Sorry, guys. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Tangent over. We're good. Back to the funeral. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, so the, again, that's, well, I guess we've kind of covered the, you know, the Kents and all of this. Um, yeah. And, and, and again, like I said before, I think this is, you know, one of those instances where it's like, yeah, this is why, you know, you, you, the Kents are alive post-crisis. This is why you're telling the story yeah. post-crisis. It, it, oh, yeah. it just adds this whole other component to it that you don't, you know, you just wouldn't have otherwise. Um, where, where else would you like to go next? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to make a connection to Jimmy Olsen. I think this is important for us to think about. You made a really cool connection in parallel to nine 11. Um, there's, there's a scene where Jimmy's selling the pictures to news time that he took of, of the battle of Superman's death. And he's feeling really not okay because some of the best pictures he's ever taken in his career are of the worst moment in his life, are of the hardest thing for probably Metropolis and maybe the world in this case, in, in, in the DC universe. But you parallel that, think about, think about all the news journalists, photographers that took these artistic, incredible, in the moment pictures of 9-11, both the, like the snapshots of that moment, but also the, the hurt. Yeah. And you see a lot of them in the Memorial Museum, which I don't know if you've had a chance to go to, but but like to be a photographer and go, I'm going to be made famous for one of the worst pictures in human history. That's tough. And and I read that with a very, very different lens thinking about 9-11 and paralleling it to to this story with Jimmy Olsen. And I think it's important we think about that. It's just he's a regular dude. Never wanted to be there, like, but he was doing his job with Lois, and that's what he gets. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and yeah, I, I mean, again, I, you know, this this comparison to nine eleven, and you know, of course, we just passed the the twenty year anniversary, and yeah, gosh, it you know, it's just like reading this story again, it, you know, just seeing what it's like when it when something in this vein yep. actually happens. And and seeing the fallout again, it really just does kind of you know uh, you know paint this the story in a, in a different light. And it's like, well, yeah, it, yeah. You, you really see how someone like Jimmy would struggle with this. I mean, whereas you know, I don't know. In the past, maybe you would look at Jimmy's internal struggle here, and it's it still works. But I think it definitely yeah. is on a whole other mm -hmm. level now. Um, yeah, I think I think as adults now, 
I mean, it's a very different approach. And even really, if you look at 19, I mean, even like crisis to 1993, there was ne there was nothing like 9-11 that happened in those seven years. But now when you have that in as part of our history, it's a cataclysm. Like that's what that would look like. Metropolis would look like Battery Park. That's how it would be. Yeah. I mean, not to take us on another tangent, but again, having yeah. just passed the, the 20th anniversary, my wife and I were talking about that and, yeah. and, you know, where we were and what our experience, you know, what our yep. reactions were at the time. And I, I, we both were at, came to the same conclusion. It's like, you know, I remember when they, you know, when we got the new, I was in, it was my first week of high school. And I remember, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when they made the announcement about the first, the first plane, like my thought was like, well, was the pilot drunk? Like that was right. And I said, right. to, and my wife was like, yeah, I kind of thought something similar. And I was like, but it's like, why, like, why would you think yep. it was anything else? And I was like, I don't know right. what conception of terrorism I would have even had, like, at that point exactly. in time. It's like, yeah, now having lived through it, it's like, of course, that's the first thing you would think of. But without that context, like, at the time, yeah. in that moment, it's like, it didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind with the first one where I was like, oh, like, that's, that's what it was. So, um, you know, again, I don't want to like, say, yeah. I don't want to say it's a blessing. That's not the right word, but like the fact that you were at an age to remember it. And I was at, I mean, I was a teacher in my third year of teaching, watching it in the TV station. My students ran in and said, Mr. G, you're from New Jersey. Like, I think it's not happened to the World Trade Center. I was like, no, that was 93. There was the bombing. No, no, I'm sure it's just something weird. And then they, when we're watching it, I think when it's real to us versus a history page, like to kids now, 9-11 is like what the JFK assassination is to us, you know? But I think reading, I really, no joke, read the death of Superman and looking at the devastation and it made me go like, oh my gosh, like that looks like, like downtown New York. That's what, that's what that looks like. That And that's, I hate the fact that they knew that it would look like that. And that's when I watched Man of Steel the same stuff was happening in my head. I was like, oh, God, this is like, if this happens, this is terrible. Like, that's that's why the, the death and the funeral always resonates with me, I think, too, because it's very real. It's it, we, we saw images like that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think for anyone, like, if you haven't, if you haven't read it in a while, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I recommend, you know, re I think just as a comic book story, it's worth revisiting. But, right. you know, it, just in terms of everything that we've been through you know, in, in the real world, I think you would get something different out of it now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe bringing us, I don't know that this is on a lighter note per se, but no. <laughs> uh, a yeah, lot, right. I guess a lot of the, uh, like the, I mean, again, I think the, the emotional beats of the story are, are the grief that, and as we've been discussing a lot of the yeah. plot of funeral for a friend, aside from the literal funeral itself, but a lot of it, uh, revolves around the body of Superman. Yeah. And, um, specifically, this kind of tug of war uh, between Cadmus and and the SCU and 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 Lex oh. and and Metropolis generally, uh, where you know Paul Westfield, the director of Cadmus, wants the body of Superman to dissect and study and clone, right? And of course, we all know where this is leading with with the creation oh. of Superboy. Oh yeah. Um, but right off the bat, I mean, even in that the first part of Funeral for a Friend, I mean, Westfield mm -hmm. shows up and he's ready to take that body. And oh, yeah. I love, oh man, I loved when Turpin oh. just socked him. That was good. I Standing love up for that Maggie you brought Sawyer. that up. Yeah. That, 
I, my line that I wrote down is Dan Turpin is old timey, but awesome. Like he's got that like derby hat and a cigar. And then he's like, you're done. Boom. And, and like, and then like the picture, he just like socks him in the stomach. And I think Guardian was even like, yeah, <laughs> like, you had that coming, buddy. Well, like, Gar- Guardian and Guardian has his own moment when, you know, um, so eventually, uh, and it, and and Lex the second intervenes as well and is able to pull some yeah. strings in DC and is able to kind of keep Cadmus at bay because by rights, I guess Cadmus has claim to the 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 dead the dead body of any alien uh, on yeah. Earth and Lex is able yeah. to pull some strings and they're able to bury Superman in Metropolis and uh, but then Westfield steals the body and you know Guardian mm-hmm. ultimately discovers this in Cadmus and. and <clears throat> confronts Westfield harshly and calls him a ghoul, uh, yeah. you know, for what he's tried to do. Although then Guardian ultimately is swayed by the the, the greater good potentially yeah. of creating a new Superman, and he does allow the experiments to continue. Um, of course, eventually Supergirl, um, working as the agent of Lex, will uh, retrieve the body uh, and return it to its its tomb um, underneath the statue in in Centennial Park. But yeah, there's a lot of the a lot of jockeying for possession of the body of Superman, um, which again, I, I mean, I think it, it worked well. And it I don't like we got to I don't know this is sound weird, but it's like we Superman was still part of the story in. In, right. in a literal way, right? Like we got, yeah. we saw his body and, and just seeing that <clears throat> lifeless body in and of itself was very striking. And that, you know, that, you know, was, was, was difficult to deal yeah. with, but uh, yeah, it was interesting. I thought that they, so much of the story kind of was, was revolved around, around the body. It's kind of like watching twin peaks, like Laura Palmer's not, a, she's not alive. Like she's a char- character in the show, but she's dead for the whole show. Um, but you know, as we go to the end, we come to the point where now the body's gone officially. Yep. Um, and I loved how the funeral portion of this ends with the Superman sightings. Yeah. So now it's the body's gone, which is bad because it's not just Superman's body that's gone. Clark's body is gone. And that's where Lois loses her mind. And but then we have all these really cool little, the quick montage of where steel comes from. When we first see Cyborg Superman, we see like just the half shadow of Superman's face. We see Superboy, we see the Eradicator. And that is like the, I mean, it's very much like, think about the big blockbuster, like Harry Potter series or like Marvel movies or those kind of things where there's a dun 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 and you know the next movie's coming out next year and we gotta make sure we see what happens. But thankfully it it comes back. But now for Superman, how many how many months were they off? I feel like it said they took three months off. Yeah, three months. Yeah, so that's a long time when you had a Superman book every week. <laughs> It's very true. You know, on the note of, uh, yeah, so at the end of Adventures 500, we have these mm-hmm. these uh, these quick teases, right, of the yes. four replacement Superman. F- this was frustrating to me. In the trade paperback series that you and I have, it's a five-volume set. Yeah. Uh, they omit them. They include them at the beginning of volume three, but they don't have them at the end of volume two. And I really feel like that takes something away. Exactly to your point, 
I, th- I feel like having them at the end of 500 really is like that post credit scene, like, hey, like this is coming. So, uh, yeah, that was, I was disappointed that they did that. You but have if omnibus. you own, if you own the omnibus, it's in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's so the, pathetic. The trades have them. It's just that they don't, they don't include them at the end of volume two as part of Adventures 500, which again, I think was a mistake in, in collecting this. Uh, but yeah, you know, and the other thing too is that you know earlier in Funeral for a Friend, where the body is stolen, the casket is stolen as well, right? So, but at the yes. end of Five Hundred, the, the you know the, the coffin is still there, but the body oh, is there, gone, yeah. and then it's like, is, is he actually back? Um, and that, of course, sets off you know what we'll be talking about in, in the next episode. Yeah. Um, we haven't really spoken a ton about Lex, Lex the Second, of who, of course, is Lex the First, posing as his own son in a cloned body because they saved Luther's brain. But the Do we do we know this? We know this at yes, that point. We know right? this. Yep. Okay, that's right. None of the you've other read that yeah, you've read that I think re- more recently than I have. Yeah. Yeah. So we the audience know. We didn't know initially, right, when Lex the second debuted. I, the audience was kind of in the dark and then we found out, but the I mean the other characters don't know. Only Lex's innermost circle knows this. Um Doctors right. Kelly he and dies, he dies at the end of Crimson Kryptonite, right? I think that's that's a time it's, frame. It's, it's like after that, but it's, after that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's within that uh, it's within that time frame. But the I thought the I thought the most striking and evocative Lex the second scene was after they retrieve the body from Cadmus, mm-hmm. and Lex asks for a moment alone in the tomb to pray. Oh, oh but he like hovers over the body doesn't he yeah and is it did he say something like i've got you now or something like that it's so weird yeah it's very it's dark and creepy and yes. um it it just it the art i mean the art really conveys just this yeah. hate this hate for superman and he's like i buried you like and you know yeah. earl, earlier in this in funeral for a friend you know in his private moments you know he's angry that he was robbed of the chance to kill Superman. Oh yeah. But if nothing else, he'll bury him. And yep. you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's this weird thing where like, obviously his, his intentions are, 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 are bad for lack of a better right. word, right? His, his bad intentions, but his, his objectives and are, and Lois's and everyone, like their objectives are aligned, right? Like they want to save the body and protect the body. Lex, because he like wants to like stick the nail in the coffin. <laughs> Like the I others, know where you are now. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's this weird thing where it's like they 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 dovetail like their interests for very different reasons. Yeah, yeah. And I like I like that because I, mean, I remember in your deep dive, there's that moment where Metallo is going to kill him mm-hmm. way early in the burn run, and he stops and he's like, "No, nobody's killing Superman except for me." And like, so he's got to be so pissed, like this freaking thing comes out of the ground and kills Superman. But now he's just happy. He goes, "I got your body right here. We're good. We're I, I know we're I know you're dead. We're good." But and then he gone, and we get four new ones. Yeah, uh, man, it was it was so great to revisit. Was was there anything else uh, that you had in your notes that you wanted to cover that we haven't gotten to? Gosh, man, uh, got that, got that. <laughs> <laughs> we talked through so much stuff. It is kind of funny to take notes while I'm reading stuff, though. It's it's really cool because it makes me really ponder, like what stuck, what sticks out to me, what's important to think about. No, I think we I think we hit it all, man. This is, I know we're going on. I think we're at 
two hours and 40 minutes. We're at, well, we took a little break, so we're not quite at 40 yet, but we're, we're just under two and a half hours. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. But is there anything else hey, that you man. wanted to say before we, before we sign no, off? No, please. Let's, let's sign off. You close us up, buddy. <laughs> we'll talk again when we get to the rain. <laughs> yeah. You know, Bernie, I, I want to tell you, I, I said at the, at the start of this, that the reading experience was a gift, right? Being able to come at the story as if I were reading it for the first time. And that's true. Uh, this episode, this conversation was really a gift. And I thank you very much for, for giving it to me because, uh, you know, and you and we talked about this off mic during our, our little break here, but it's like, you know, for both of us, I know the story means a lot. And so to be able to, to talk for this length you know, about it. Um, and honestly, I know we could hit, th- I know we could hit three hours. It's like, I know. Oh we Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's really uh, I so I've so enjoyed this, and to our audience, I mean, thank you. However many sittings this took you to get through, it's, it's all good. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it, and you know, if you, I, I guess you know, if you share the love that we do for for Death of Superman, I, I you know, I'm, hopefully you enjoyed this. You know, if you if you didn't coming into this, I don't know. May, maybe this might make you take another look at the story. I hope it does. Um, and, yeah. and if and if it does, I hope that you know you you get something out of it. You know, even as as close to to what we have. Um, again, I, not to belabor the point, but I just like I said in in the past, I, I really looked at this more as this you know as as the event that it was, and now I looked at it more as, as a story and. I never, I was never embarrassed to say that I started with that, the Superman, never embarrassed. But again, I, I know there's a lot mixed up in it. The speculator craze that it incited and, you know, the, 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 the legacy of storytelling that saw a lot of other characters get upended, you know, to do something similar to this. I recognize all of that. And I guess I've kind of always had that in mind. And I know that, you know, again, not everybody loves this story per se, but, um, I, I say it loud and proud, man. Like I started with the death of Superman and it was a great place to start. And it was a great place for purposes of this podcast event to like build to. And I, I just, I, I love it. I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for everything that it, it kind of launched for me personally and creatively. And, you know, I mentioned the, the comic shop and the documentaries and the podcast and all, and yeah, of course all of that, but just the, the hobby you know, the, the, the hobby of, of being a comics reader and, and collector, um, yeah. you know, there, there are a lot of ways to spend your time and money and effort and energy that aren't necessarily healthy or productive or worthwhile. And I, you know, right. comics are great. <laughs> I'm so glad that, yep. you know, growing up until I got to, until I got to the point where I was really, you know, part of the community at my comic shop and I finally had these people to talk to. You know, growing up, like in school, like I, there weren't people in my classes who read comics. Like I was an outlier, you know, in that. But that never deterred me, and I'm glad. Yeah. And and I'm glad that this is a hobby that has become a, a lifelong passion. And you know, it all goes back to, you know, that story and that comic shop. You know, so uh, again, I, I'm I'm just so uh, proud and grateful to have started this journey with the death of Superman. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. We got we got part eight to finish together, my friend. 
Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of great storytelling from the rain through the returns. So that's going to be a great end cap to the eight part series, man. Yeah. So you, Bernie, you and I will be back in one week to discuss the rain and return. Um, a week after that on my Patreon page, I'm going to have that discussion of the animated adaptation. So that'll be a very nice uh, kind of a, a supplement or complement to these episodes that we're doing now. I also meant to mention this earlier, and then we really will sign off here, but uh, there were a couple of recent um, anniversaries um, within the world of Superman that, um, you know, we've, we've been preoccupied here on the show, but I just wanted to to at least acknowledge here uh, the Superman, the animated series celebrated its 25th anniversary, and I have big plans actually to cover it, to cover that animated series at the beginning of 2022. So stay tuned. I got, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, one word remix. All right. That's going to be great. And Smallville, our beloved Smallville, um, <laughs> you know, this episode will be out mid-October, the 20th anniversary of the series premiere of Smallville. Um, That's crazy. You know, Smallville is something that comes up in a lot of episodes. It's something that we've devoted a couple of episodes to fully. It's something that, you know, I have this podcast mapped out like real, real far and like crazy, stupidly far in advance. And <laughs> in every year of this podcast that I'm planning, there's Smallville coverage because I love it. And, um, you know, kudos to that show for its 20 year anniversary and for the decade long run it had, um, because that's, it's no small feat. And, you know, it's, it's role in my Superman fan journey is, I mean, it's like death of Superman and Smallville, they're like neck and neck. Um, I have to give the edge to death cause it was the start, but I mean, Smallville is like, like a hair away from it. <laughs> so, uh, well, so a couple of big anniversaries. And I'll believe it when I see it, but there was news from Tom Welling and Mike Mike Rosenbaum that they're doing an animated series as the voices to take off from where Smallville left off. And again, I'm not going to hold my breath, but that could be really fun. That could be cool for us, I think, as fans. That'd be a neat continuation. Uh yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely be intrigued. And if and when that happens, you can be sure we'll, we'll be talking about it on the <laughs> podcast here. Uh, but again, thank you, thank you, really, Bernie, for the for the gift of this conversation. I really, uh, it really, really meant a lot, and uh, I, I appreciate having you along for this flight here. Oh, it's my pleasure. You are one of the few people that get why it's important to me to talk about for two hours and thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, all right. So thank you, Bernie. Thank you to our audience. We'll be back in one week. It's the conclusion of, of crisis till death. So make sure that you come back in one week. And until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Greg Schiegel. Music by Basic Printer. Join the conversation by becoming part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group. Follow Digging for Kryptonite on Instagram and Twitter and visit flatsquirrelproductions.com to explore more of my film and podcast projects.